everybody i hope you had a great eternal weekend whether it was successful or fun ideally both on today's show we got a special guest who managed to have both success and fun in eternal weekend we're gonna have martin Nevelshoot nielsen from denmark who finished second in the sylvan library eternal weekend event that was the biggest one with over 500 players and he's going to tell us how he got there, uh, but he's also going to answer a lot of questions about Doomsday, about the general approach to playing Legacy. And we're also going to go over all the top 16 results, especially a couple of, let's say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to call it the craziest deck building principle I have ever encountered in 20 years of competitive magic. This one comes up around the 1 hour 16 mark. So <laughs> definitely check it out. You can see all the other show notes in your podcatcher as well as on studio.com. And with that, have a great time with the episode and also find out why turn 2 with Death and Taxes is actually way more complicated than with Doomsday. Thank you, everyone, and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 113, your favorite most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon supporters, Jacob Bergelin, Francis York Morgan, and David Putz. Hey, guys, thank you so much. And if you want to support the running of the show directly, you can do so on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Eternal Weekend in the Books, Callum, how's it going for you? You you skipped the weekend, right? You you were out, um, commander, uh, or, how, how do you call it? How, how do you actually lead an army? What's the official term for that? General, obviously. I don't know, like... Is there a rank in, in, in Warhammer? Are you a general now? Actually, in, in the award ceremonies, they do um, they do call you general. So like the first place person is called the best general, and um, then they... They reward very differently. It's it's a lot more casual than magic. So you get like the the person with the best um, record who got one win out of five rounds gets gets a prize and and two wins gets a prize, etc. And um, so yeah, I went to Warhammer World and played like a team event. Um, we planned this ages ago before the Eternal Weekend dates were out, and so it's like a pretty unfortunate clash, but so it goes. And we had a, we had a good time. Played with some very very good friends, and we so. Warhammer wet rounds are like three hours long, so you can have three rounds in one day, essentially. <laughs> yeah, I guess war takes time. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is that's nine hours of playing a game that's very, very intense as well. It's like constant going on. So we were three oh on day one and we were the only team that was three oh. And that was good. Great. We were like on track to win, which was our goal, obviously. And then day two we get an email in the morning saying a pipe broke just outside the complex and all the water got shut off. And um yeah, it, it got cancelled, and it's Wait, the, the place got cancelled because it was raining. That's not how it works in the real world. <laughs> hey, in England, yes, that's how it works. <laughs> I mean, if you put it in those terms, sure, sure. So, um, we were like spiritual winners, but not really. It's not been confirmed or anything. Um, well, I confirm it now. You're the, the generals. We are the best generals. What do you call judges? Uh, do you have judges in these tournaments? You have you have the people running it, and there are judges. Yeah, um, you just don't get very many judge calls because it's it's a game of like open information. So the only disputes are about like uh, what you call by intent. So if someone does something with an intention to do something and it's Ooh. not very clear, it can get a little bit messy. And in the end, I mean, the actual rule book says if you both have a disagreement, roll a dice, and on a one, two, or three, one person gets it, and on a four, <laughs> the other person gets it. So that's actually in the rule book. Dude, imagine if Wizards did that. Like, if there's a disagreement, it's that's, that's the opposite of anything you would ever do in Magic. I've, I've never actually heard of that happening in a tournament, though. Um, it's a game where, like, we didn't... But going into it, we, we still have no idea if there was even prizes for first place. It's a game of you're absolutely playing it for enjoyment and fun. And so all of our opponents just were like... like 
just awesome. Exactly, exactly. Like every round, every opponent was offering to buy me beers and stuff. It's just super, super fun. <laughs> anyway, it was a shame to miss the tunnel weekend, though. I was like kind of checking along at home, like dr- between rounds. I was like, you know, having people talking to, having a good time, and also checking the phone, like, you know, see who's doing well and stuff. So it seemed like a pretty good weekend with some real crushes at the top. So yeah, lots yeah. to dive into. How about yourself? Yeah, well, I, I wasn't one of those crushes at the top. <laughs> well, that, that was implied, yeah. I, oh, was it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't get to play in the first one, the Wasteland event, because that's, I think, one or... Actually, it was two in the morning in Europe, and I'm degenerate, but not that degenerate. The second one I played, the Bayou event, and drumroll, I got the second best event in the entire tournament. I got O2 Drop playing... Hell yes. Death I love Texas. it. <laughs> I love O2 Dropping. <laughs> and the icing on the cake, I lost two Blue Red Diver twice, which is supposed to be one of the main reasons why Death in Texas. I mean, Death in Texas is probably like... One of the decks that's better against it, but yeah, I, I guess you can still lose. They, they really had this this interesting new technology. They played like two or three Delvas in the first two turns, and then they forced all my removal spells. And all I had left were these like cr- crappy like Thalia and Spirit for Labyrinth and everything. This is and a trend just, I've like, noticed. I think it, I think it actually is a reaction to DNT. Um, we can get into it more later, but I've seen three and four Delvas in some lists, which is crazy these days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely madness right <laughs> yeah and then in the second event i played blue red diver uh, if you can beat them join them i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> and i yeah i i was very close to just playing elves instead instead i lost to elves in the first round <laughs> yep. i won against uh, mono black reanimate on the second round against mono white painter in Sweet. the third round the the oswald fiddle bender or whatever it's called oh, the deck yeah, and then I lost to... Uh, I, I guess we're going to talk about that like, a little bit more later on. The, the four-color Yorian Green Sun Senate lands. Actually, this deck was more like lands. Yeah, it, it, it was all over the place and it was all over me. And <laughs> <laughs> I lost to that. And then the fifth round, I won against our, I don't know, current Patreon, former Patreon, um, definitely support of the podcast, Sven Stolz, uh, playing Blue Red Diver. And yeah, that, that was my tournament. But I had it's, a great time. It says, it says you lost here in the show notes. Yeah, I think it's a. Didn't uh, I say that? You said you won. You're just trying to. You're trying to pass oh. off and look cool in the. In the yeah, I, I won. I won, and then I dropped from the tournament. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I lost, and then I dropped. Uh, but I spent the rest of the night watching Anorak stream. Anorak got, mm. I think, pretty close to top eight. Um, lost. I think some. Yeah, I don't know when exactly, but I had a really great time on his stream. And yeah, that was that was my tournament. But nice. we decided since. Um, you are a channel of warfare, and I crept out of both events. We will actually invite somebody who really knows this thing and legacy in and out. And we invited Martin Nielsen, also known as Never Shoot. And yeah, Martin, hey man, how's it going? You did slightly better than I did in these events, right? Yeah. Hi guys, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it went uh, beyond all expectations for me, and I ended up um, sadly losing in the finals, but making it that far nonetheless. So. And that was in the Sylvan Library event. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and I mean, you already made a name for yourself um, for many years, I want to say by now, playing Doomsday. Like you, there's people like, you know, you and Kai are probably, are you guys the faces of Doomsday? I don't even know, but your names are, are heavily associated with the deck. And I see you talking about it on Twitter and on Discord everywhere. And it, it's kind of cool, really, to to see these events where you both have like your established legacy grinders but also like people coming in from the outside and then you have so many familiar names on the top. And yeah, I, I was really rooting for you. I think the last time I checked before I went to bed, you were like, are you like eight and O or nine and O in the Swiss sometimes? I said, it was mad actually. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Thanks for rooting. Um, I was I was nine and zero, and then I lost round ten. But I was feeling a little bit looser at that point because uh, the top the top eight was locked. Um, I, I wouldn't. I don't think I necessarily say we're the faces of doomsday, but I, I do think that Kai and I have both sort of. Um, we were both really into ad nauseum tendrils back in the day, and then we sort of found each other again around another dark ritual deck here, and, and have just been really working a lot on it with other people as well in the Doomsday Discord, and it just happens that we are sort of Kai streams a lot, and I do some videos, so that just ends up may maybe overexposing us in terms of, because there are a lot of other people doing a lot of yeah. great work that probably goes sort of unseen. Yeah, I mean, when you say you're overexposed, I mean, that's basically what it means to be the face of something, right? I mean, that's if we play Legacy and you are some of the first people who think of you, you are the faces of Doomsday. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are like the people carrying the sure, torch for sure. the deck, even though I guess you are. But to to me, you really are the <laughs> sure, sure. poster boy of Doomsday. I'll it seems it. to me there's a, there's an amazing community about it because um, I, I assume Martin knows Doishi very well. He's a bristolian in yeah. england he's been playing doomsday since i knew him i god i think i met him like at gp prague when me and you played julian like many 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 years ago when doomsday was no offense but really quite bad and he's just been playing it forever and he's a uh, uh, very very involved in the doomsday thing he runs the wiki with some other people as well i believe yeah um, for sure so, um I, I, and, then, do, and then do, there's people do, like max max gilmore as well max Torsion. he's he's out mm. there carrying the doomsday torch for often for sure, and Ethan and and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon as well. I think like there are people who have been, and Doishi is definitely, I think, at the forefront of that. Have been carrying the torch uh, for like during the whole sort of Baron spell when after Top and Probe were banned, mm -hmm. and and the deck was sort of, um, I suppose, the kids call it a meme deck, right? Like the just mm -hmm. <laughs> honestly, it was it was a cool card and a cool idea, but just wasn't, I think really in a place to do a whole lot in terms of being competitive. And uh, yeah. I think in that sense, people like Kai and myself are probably more like tourists that have sort of picked up on, on a deck that... I mean, I played it pre-top ban, but not extensively. Um, the old Doomsday Fetchland Tendrils. And I even tried Stephen Menendian's mean deck list, which is kind of where this new... The Doomsday we know today has sort of risen from. But um, I wouldn't say that I am like a... Uh, a flame bearer of of uh, of like doomsday. But you are now. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly liking it a lot. Uh, it's 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 an it's an amazing deck, I think, and it really sort of speaks to me in, on, on more than one level. That's it's amazing. Gone, it's gone through such amazing iterations, right? So it's been it's been played in eternal formats forever, and I I used to play it a bit with top with um mm. even the entreat the angel sideboard was what really drew me to it weirdly. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd always lose lose game one because I'd either cast Doomsday or I wouldn't, so I'd lose either way. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd uh, sideboard in three or four and treat the angels, and you'd like to crack my LEDs, tap top, and just win like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think like um, it has had so many iterations, and I think mm -hmm. like if if someone really wants a deep dive on the history of the deck, uh, Doishi did an amazing sort of three or four or even five hour interview with Brandon uh, Adams I think his name is uh, E. Midland yeah. who is like I think one of the godfathers of like combo in Legacy um, Oh, can you say his nickname again because I never knew how to pronounce it I I, I don't know how to pronounce it either I've just sort <laughs> no of, pressure uh, no pressure Martin no 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 <laughs> I, I just sort of uh, this is how I would pronounce it it was E. Midland but, exactly yeah <laughs> um, 
maybe Brandon can can chime in. Um, but but yeah, they did a, a sit down where they basically just trawled through the entire history of before it was legacy and and all this sort of stuff. And Brandon is very learned uh, about this. And uh, I think uh, Doishi put it out on his YouTube. Uh, channel so yeah. definitely oh, we're definitely gonna link to that then yeah yeah um i highly recommend that that's awesome mm-hmm. what what were you playing before you got back into the thassa's oracle doomsday stuff so look um i played i played ad nauseum tendrils sort of since i got into legacy basically and i really had a lot of fun and, and had some some good results with that deck and then um i kind of then, then, then Eldrazi happened, and everyone like suddenly there was a tier one Chalice of the Void deck, and I kind of lost my sort of motivation a bit, and that sort of coincided with me have like becoming a father, and I kind of drifted away from Magic to be honest, and I sometimes would go and play every once in a couple of months, and I'd usually play Ant, um, so I was playing Ant, and, but then not playing at all, and then in I want to say January of 2020. Um, my kids were finally sort of old enough that it kind of made sense for me to get a little bit back into Paper Magic, and um, and this card got printed, which was in the same set as Thassa's Oracle, but it was called Underworld Breach, and I <laughs> really that sucked me in, and I started playing it online a lot, and then it got banned like really quickly. But then someone was saying that uh, there was this guy called Monkeys Can't Cry, who was Ethan, I think, mm-hmm. um, who was tearing it up with Doomsday. I was like, hey, wait a minute, is Doomsday actually playable now? And so I, I got into it then, and then COVID happened, sadly, so I couldn't play in paper. But then I just really spent a lot of time sort of playing it on Magic Online. So since since 2020, uh, I've been playing that. and. I guess the answer to your question is, I guess Ant, but not really anything, because I didn't really play for uh, a couple of years up until the point. I heard that you, you played your fair share of Death in Texas. I did. Um, being a native of Denmark, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's... It's in the Constitution. <laughs> it, it is. Um, no, like... Um, so I'm, I'm from uh, Copenhagen and um, have gotten my, my legacy uh, education in, in um, our local game store, Faosika, uh, which is... I think you went there once, Julian, didn't you, for a Danish Legacy Masters? Uh, not that I know of, but I've been to Denmark a couple of times. Okay, I think I might be mixing it up. Anyways, um, it's sort of the the, lo- uh, the uh, local game store here. It's it's pretty big, and we we have like two weekly Legacy events, and usually it's it draws anywhere from between like twenty to to forty people. So I would be playing there, and it, it had all these sort of I, I like. Thomas Inemolson and uh, Andreas Petersen and, and like uh, Hans uh, Jakob Goddick, you know, you know those guys. Um, so I, I feel like I got my, I ground my teeth there, and there was a lot of death and taxes there, and every, obviously everyone was immensely proud of, of Thomas uh, and his achievements with uh, death and taxes. And so I, th- at some point, I just thought, well, I've been, been casting Dark Ritual so much, and I'm really crap at like combat math and and like playing this other normal side of magic, I guess. So I, I wanted to try that. So I, I did play Death and Taxes for a while, but it was always sort of my second deck to uh, to to uh, Ant. Do you always start your cyborgs with four massacres? <laughs> I usually keep a massacre close by where I'm, I'm at. Um, it sounds so weird when you don't play magic, by the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <does>. yeah. <laughs> Sounds rather grim. <laughs> uh, this is I, actually on this topic. This is a pretty good segue into one of the first listener questions, which is from Tom uh, Kabuta Mulpia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that right? Um, it says, "When did you get into Doomsday Life?" So um, it's pretty much answered in my question. I didn't mean to actually ask the same thing. And right. um, yeah, which of the various versions is your favorite, regardless of win rate? Right. So I, yeah, I think I already touched upon it a bit. Like I, I was always sort of in love with with Dark Ritual combo, and um, and Doomsday just has this allure. I think it always had like this, just like somehow it, it's. You, like big brain or whatever you feel like you're it kind of speaks <laughs> to that part of of your personality that wants to explore and be be sort of big brain or whatever and i'm not saying that that's a reason to, to pick up a deck or whatever but i i'm just trying to maybe understand why it, it spoke to me and um so I, I i i tried it and i played it and it just wasn't that good and i guess even though i that's not something i think about myself uh that frequently i, I probably do have a bit of a competitive sort of edge to me and so I, I think it needed to be like better or I, le- I at least needed to have confidence in myself being able to perform with it better than I was for it to become like a real uh, favorite deck of mine so while I, I did sort of dabble my with it in, in like 2013 to 2016 probably uh, it wasn't until 2020 when um, when Breach was banned and Someone said, you know, where I got credible information that Doomsday was actually a real deck now, that I, I, I just went hard for it. And in terms of various, like, the, the, the different versions, I would say probably I like, like, this might not be a popular answer, um, but I really enjoyed the Astrolabe build, like, the, when, when that was legal, when you were able to, to, to play, like, five basics and Astrolabe, and you could you could be very controlly with Teferi and you'd play Baleful Strix and stuff like that and, and you'd be able to have like Terminus in your sideboard. It was that was really, really sweet. Um I don't think it was necessarily the best thing to be doing at the time, but or to be doing, but at the time I think that's where we were a lot of us were yeah, that was what we were looking at. And then I just I really do enjoy the version that I, I just played, um, or any sort of version that is take on that which is like big on like you you load up on cyclers because the old versions of doomsday i think the ones that with with astrolabe and teferi and whatever usually used to play like two maybe three cyclers and if you up the count of cyclers you also increase the sort of the uh the explosiveness of the deck it becomes a bit more unstable but it 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 can it it will increase the frequency of with which you can go off early so and for the longest time, I, I was not a believer in the card personal tutor, but that is also, I think, uh, something where I've changed my mind. And so this version of the deck is also like very close to my heart, and I, I think it's it's really good. Is that pretty standard that you're playing two copies of personal tutor? Because I, I've seen versions that are running um, four of them, uh, but I'm not super up to date on that. I think it's um, it's, it's it's one of those where it can go anyway. Uh, if the wind blows really like some people like four, some like three, two, and one. I personally think it is enough of a bad card in enough of, of situations that I just don't ever want to flood out on it. But if you want to, if you want, if you are a student of the ABCD, which is always oh, be casting uh, <laughs> Doomsday, um, then you want as many copies of Doomsday and access to them uh, as frequently as possible. So I can. 
I can see the uh, the legitimacy of, of going for four, but I just personally think there's also the schism of like what matchups are you improving by adding personal more copies of personal tutor? Um, I would say you are probably improving the matchups where you're already is that you're already pretty well positioned uh, against like the 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 non-blue uh, decks basically. Um, so I think. I, I just I found two to be a, a pretty sweet spot um, because personal tutor is also the kind of card that if like that can sort of I think increase mulligans and, and I think there's enough of that in the in the deck that you kind of want to maybe try and limit those kinds of cards. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I see. Yeah. Because I I would have a hard time like convincing myself to run a deck that plays four personal tutors. Dude, every time we we get on the podcast, and we talk about Doomsday. I want to start playing the deck, and then I don't. Callum, can you can you like just like lock me in front of my computer and just make me play Doomsday now? Okay, I'll I'll make you do it. I'll send you the messages every evening. Like, so how many? Do it. Have you eaten your vegetables? Have you cast Doomsday today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna check market. Okay, cast Doomsday. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> awesome. We we have another question coming to us from Max Torsion, and Max is basically asking um, whether you have any kind of metrics when you're constructing weird piles, you know, to play our around stuff that might not come up as often but that, that that's easy right. to do or or like it, any interesting things that you, when your opponents think they have you and they actually don't because you're smart and you do the big brain move tell us about that right um I, first of all i i'm I, i'm not very big brained uh about this i i and this version of the deck is 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 a far cry from like the the, the old doomsday where you would like have double LED and burning wish and then wish for time spiral and then cast time spiral and recast your doomsday and like storm a million. Like this, this doesn't most of the time it's a lot more linear and simple, but I do think that um, one thing I didn't do nearly at all in the first, like, I don't know, a couple of months at least when I was playing the deck was like consider fetch lands and lands as like, cards to put in the pile because what like if you're talking about metrics or heuristics i think one thing to always sort of work out when you're planning your doomsday pile is to like you have to count to five and that's the the amount of cards that are in the deck and you have to draw them and that can be reduced to three cards if you don't worry if you don't fear um removal on your on your oracle or endurance right so you have to, like, just, like, how am I drawing these cards? So, like, if you have a cycler in your hand, okay, that draws one. If you haven't made your land drop and you have a fetch land, you can put a land in the in the, in the deck, and then that draws, in quotation marks, another card, and, and so, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And I'm also just a, a really big fan of, especially in, like, against stuff like death and taxes and, and lands, um, of cards that draw or, like, get into the pile but doesn't use the stack, or at least doesn't like count as a spell. So cyclers, that's pretty big. But cyclers can like lose or at least be hampered by a spirit of a labyrinth. So like fetch lands, like for me, if I'm if I if I'm know I'm if I know I'm up against death and taxes, if they go like uh, I don't know, like planes planes uh, vile, and I have dark ritual doomsday, which means I'm, I'm probably not winning the same turn, but then I will just build a... Usually, like, I will build a pile that has, like, two fetches, two lands, and, like, Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> so uh, you're saying, dude, you I you, you literally have no card in the deck that's really going to stop me unless you, like, port me forever. I, I, well, even ports won't work, right? 
Well, I mean, I think that's like secrets of the trade, I guess, uh, which I hope I'm not going to be regretful that I'm uh, like um, exposing here. But I think like in some uh, certain situations, the the death and taxes player could actually benefit from, from like porting or wastelanding a fetch land. I think too few people probably do that. Because they not like shuffle a, it so you could draw like the second land before the other fetch. Yeah, 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 exactly. And also just like stuff like like if it's port, if it's actual port, then if you port me, then I have to consider like if I don't fetch then and you have a wasteland, then it's pretty bad. But if you don't have a wasteland, um and I and I crack it just because I worry about the wasteland, then now you're porting it. And that actually might just mean I don't, I can't win because I only had, so it, it, I only had the two lands, right? So it depends, but it can all be. You always have to be like, uh, like considering what's in your hand. If you have a pedal there, then that can help with stuff. But but yeah, just like, just thinking about like lands as a resource. I think that was a, a little bit of a. I I I'm sure Max, being the the the, the I think amazing player that he is. Uh, probably didn't mean stuff like that because I'm sure he's doing that. But that's just something I think is maybe if you're new to the deck, you don't... I didn't at least think about that that much. Only other thing I I can think of is um, that I really like when trying to beat Endurance that if if you build a pile that is sort of agile enough that you can pivot so that if if you're building it to beat Endurance but then the, the player isn't putting any pressure on you, you can get to a point where you can just keep passing the turn and then eventually like play your Thassa with like only the doomsday that's in in, <laughs> in in the in the graveyard and then if they endurance even if you've had like a couple of cards in 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 the graveyard if you have been drawing cyclers and not using them then you can actually let sometimes you can it it it'll, you know your mileage may vary but you can get to a point where you can get uh like Thassa in play trigger on the stack they cast Endurance and have Endurance resolve and then cycle a couple of times from your hand to draw your new library that was made from the graveyard and then still win. I've had that happen a couple of times. So, I think that exact same scenario actually happened to me yesterday when I was playing against Kai uh, in a league. Oh, yeah. And I, I also had Endurance and he, he could have killed me with, I think, Edge of Autumn or something uh, in the pile, even through an Endurance. And th- that was kind of amazing, actually. Right. I guess it puts so much pressure on the the control player, I assume, or whatever they have to have endurance, because you need to have the removal for the injur- for the oracle to even try and play around the just the doomsday being in the deck. So it's asking a lot, and then with the cycles, as you say, it's just gonna uh, lock things up. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll sometimes it'll work out great, and sometimes not, and it's it's um, it's hard to really um, be too too sort of concrete. But but uh, because sometimes they'll have endurance, but they'll also have like a, a lot of pressure on you, and so. You, you will have to try and, yeah. and navigate it some other way. It feels like a deck which, um, even more than others, like this is a key skill in Legacy, is knowing when, like, by how how much you're behind or how much pressure your opponent could put on or how dead you are to some top decks. It's um, mm. one of the key things to knowing when to just go balls to the wall. And, like, you know, sometimes I see Kai on his stream just say, like, well, against Delver, like, if we if we go one more turn, they, they could, like, you know, draw their ponder or they've got whatever. Um, to find another force, he's just like, well, here we can't beat a force, we can't beat a daze, we can't beat this. It's like, well, we could just put die to a bolt next turn. So it's just understanding in every matchup, like based on your hand, the board state, how many turns you've got left, and sometimes you just have to go for it, and you can't beat much. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think it's a lot about risk assessment or like a scenario assessment, I guess, where where it's like, well, 
sort of re- recognize what you what will beat you, and then try and like reach a, a conclusion about what is like least likely, and then just or what like based on you know knowledge you have about your opponent and their deck. And I think also just be be ready to to eat the dirt when you actually then even if you made the right call or you think you made the right call but you lose anyways and and i think that might dissuade some people from playing a deck like this because losing can feel quite disheartening and and like uh i did all this stuff and then i just lost anyways like you know passing with passing the turn you um, ready to eat the dirt i like it (laughs) (laughs) if they're ever gonna make a movie about you and doomsday that's like the sub headline (laughs) be ready to eat the dirt (laughs) <laughs> right. It's, cool. it's like lesson number one of Doomsday Club. Be ready to eat the dirt. Right. <laughs> but jokes aside, it's, it is totally true. Um, like it does apply to every deck, but I do feel like actually Doomsday more than anything else in the format, really. Because, you know, it's it's like, you know, it always has these jokes and these memes about, like, you know, being the hardest deck. And it is still very hard. That's Oracle made it like massively, massively easier than the past mm. iterations. But still, like, you know, it's not like uh, you mess up, you can just top deck a terminus. It's like you mess up, you're just gonna die <laughs> no that, that that is true um this is a bit of a, 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 a sort of a tangent of mine but i think like whenever i have tried to play stuff like like band miracles or or even death and taxes and stuff i just i am amazed at how much like what the level of concentration it, it requires to actually be good and and it just i don't it's just not where I'm at right now. I guess also sort of in my life, I can't like I can't grind matching online and have like one hour matches because it just you know when you have kids and stuff like that, it's just you need to be able to. I feel at least have some quick turn turnover. Um, but yeah. when I try, I just like I I find it a lot more impressive that people can continuously throughout like a ten turn or fifteen turn game, like maintain their level of concentration and assess like micro decisions in each turn like i think turn two in death and taxes i think is like a lot harder than a lot of doomsday situations because you have like three two drops and you also have port in the planes and what's the right thing to do and i just for me at least it's a lot more uh i'm a lot better at focusing my attention on one or two big moments and then sort of working it out there i think i think that's easier to be honest you, you should have a thing on your twitter where you post inspirational quotes because that, that there's so much gold in there a turn two with death and taxes is more complex than with doomsday and you just like you put them on a picture with thalia on it and it's fine you post it on twitter retreat 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 right 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 <laughs> but yeah i see so you, you choose the easy deck right the deck that has a card in it for two mana that basically says you win the game like literally says you win the game on it exactly <laughs> <laughs> nice it is interesting because awesome. because i find for me it's kind of the opposite um a lot of it is muscle memory so for me playing something like doomsday or even like well not even just even like any kind of storm-based deck as well mm. uh any combo deck that needs a critical mass i kind of i, I start sit down i'm like okay this is the turn i take like two minutes and then my brain just starts like feeling a bit mushy and i'm like i get uh, i don't know distracted or i i am not very good at those scenarios that you're describing but i think um i'm much better at the kind of it, it is a lot of muscle memory but just playing these longer games these longer grindy games and realizing what you're playing towards in five turns time and stuff and right. uh, it just comes from a lot of experience of what you played in the past especially mm-hmm. 
moving on, we have another question by Michael Mapson. I think Michael Mapson is, is a co-host of the Dark Depth podcast, right? He is indeed. Awesome. I think we will be cool, talking about well. that later on in the cast as well. <laughs> so Michael is asking, Martin, if cards get banned from Blue Red Diver in the next seven days, will you challenge Billy to a rematch? Billy was your, your finest opponent. Right. Um, so first, <laughs> kudos to Billy. I think he played really well. Um, and yeah, so a couple of things about this question. Um, I would not have any problems or I would I would actually even really like to play against Billy and then see if I can, you know, uh, get my uh, sweet, sweet revenge. But um, I honestly, I think that whether or not anything gets banned from Blue Red, it probably won't influence my appreciation of the matchup much. Um, obviously, I, I, I might be wrong and I'll admit to it then, but I think... I guess it depends, like, obviously, what gets banned. But, but if, like, if Ragavan were to go and Blue-Red just goes back to four Delvers and maybe tinkers a bit with some other threats, maybe some a Sprite Dragon, or I don't know, it it's still, like, it's still Blue-Red, like, lots of tempo, lots of mana denial, lots of counter spells, and lots of clock. It's just all the things that Doomsday doesn't inherently play very well against. So I don't think that if if something is banned from blue red I don't think it makes the blue red versus doomsday matchup that much different than it is today that would be my my guess anyways but um we, we actually have some numbers um just in, in the tournament weekend everything mm -hmm. combined uh, doomsday went 2 and 11 against blue red diver so that's that's pretty horrendous right Yeah that's not good um so I I, I yeah no that that's that's pretty bad um but and i think that's it's probably not an indication of the actual sort of matchup but it's probably not like that far from the actual like uh i i have i think around 350 matches versus various silver variants so this is over like two, like almost 2 years now so that was also matches back when uh, Dreadhorde Arcanist was a thing and and my win rate is negative but it's not massively negative it's like 45-55 but uh, that's me sort of doing my all the best of that work that I can and grinding so hard trying uh, time and time again with the whole Doomsday Think Tank to beat Delver and each of my Delver opponents were probably not having Doomsday on their radar very much. So, <laughs> oh my, that's that's almost like tragic, right? You you're fighting <laughs> the best you can just to like get it to even. Yeah, and, and they just not, don't even like recognize you. They're, you're just it, like one of the many to them exact, on Tuesday. Exactly. And I was talking to Doishi about it, and I think, like, I I think I agree with his estimate that the the true quote unquote true sort of like win rate is probably around like 35 percent for Doomsday. Yeah, I think so, that's actually what um, uh, at MTG Banding, Phil Nguyen, he compiled the numbers for yeah. not only Eternal Weekend, but I think also for the last couple of months. Uh, and shoutouts also to Chaudaya and the, the, the whole um, Legacy Data Collection crew. Mm -hmm, and what they got out of it over the course of several months, including several challenges and everything, uh, I think it was a little more than 30%. So kind of in line with what you said. I think that's probably correct, and I think I I I don't know if there is some hidden hidden sort of strategy that the 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 sort of uh, hive mind of of the Doomsday community have, have just hasn't sort of come up with yet, or if some future printing might 
enable that, but but I just think that inherently you're just you're not like the the deck that has the fast clock and a lot of counter spells and burn is just always going to be a bit of a struggle for you. Um, and even when they don't play red, if they play green and black and they have like discard, then the deck with the wastelands and lots of counter spells and fast clock and thoughtsies and him, that's also going to be a problem for you. I think that's just. Um, I think it just goes with the territory uh, a bit, and then you you can do like you can have various like experiments that which we have had with like transformational sideboards and like we played back when Astrolabe was legal. We played this really sweet list with Uru and like Belfast Fricks. Oh, it was so much fun, and obviously it sort of it it slows you down and makes you less explosive against the rest of the. Format, so you have to kind of assess that, right? If that's what you, where you want to go. But I think while that did feel like it improved the Delver matchup, I do think that it probably didn't do as much as we were hoping that it would. And is it then really worth it? So yeah, I don't know. In in my head, like hearing all this, I've got this like you know this image of the the, the Doomsday Cabal in their Discord, like you know plotting all these things. How can we make this Delver matchup better? And then I can just see like Delver players low bolty. oh dude that's another meme i want to see on twitter (laughs) i can't i can't tell you how many defeats versus delver is like it's one thing it's like okay but if they don't have if their last card isn't bolt then i win and it's bolt the the trick is you don't think that you can't think it otherwise they have it 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 turns into it (laughs) i think they're like there with their like their scalding tarn in hand like oh shit i'm dead and then it just pops in it's it's a bolt suddenly (laughs) (laughs) it's like that uh, cable therapy vampiric tutor interaction (laughs) yeah the thorsey's bug is real it's real in real life as well (laughs) awesome so another question coming to us from micah um is for julian why death in texas well i've Without saying too much, I just always love that deck. Um, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times when I made like my big decision in 2013 to pick out elves. I, I had really narrowed it down to either like playing elves or Death and Texas, just because I want a deck that plays like actual magic where things go like back and forth and there's like lots of tiny things to do and tricks here and there and and you usually always have like really interesting games. And I think there's probably no deck in Legacy that's embodies that more than Death in Texas for me and on top of that uh, I mean the deck has been doing really well lately so yeah I, I picked it up um, I ran it through a couple of leagues I, I went really well I think I went like 14 and 2 with it in the leagues where I played it but yeah it didn't didn't work out that well in the Legacy Challenge unfortunately so yeah that was Death in Texas for me and for Callum how did you like Blood Sun so did you did you get to play that Yes, so I would rate Blood Sun a 20 out of 20 because <laughs> um, I played Michael in a challenge a couple of weeks ago and I played Blood Sun and he played a Dark Depths and Force of Vigor Dip. So <laughs> it, okay. uh, he he absolutely... So it was when I tried a Maris list and he like just completely destroyed us in our match. Uh, I think, yeah, I don't think much too much else happened. I kind of like tried to set up a turn three kill in game two or whatever <laughs> i don't know it was just like when, when i played a turn one blood sun and i was like you know what i know i know this interaction i know it can happen it's 100 percent. he has force of vigor somewhere i was like just hope he doesn't have it and um anyway, you but just he... explained that you must like not think about the card they're supposed to have and now you're telling me you were hoping they don't have it <laughs> well that's the mistake I, I played pretty badly obviously in the match yeah complete punt but i i uh got the same result as julian which was perfect i then lost to blue red dill the next round and i, I dropped and had a nice day doing something else but um 
I played it in a few more leagues afterwards because I think he is actually asking how the card has been. And I do like Marius's list. I think um, it felt okay into Delver. They just, it's weird because there are these lists that have four Volk and two Steam Vents, and they do just have natural lands rather than lots of fetch lands quite often. And there's definitely. We're talking about Painter, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point, good point. Uh, Marius plays a list with four Blood Suns and then like eight Soul Lands and four Karns is the kind of core of it. And. Right. It's, I don't know, it felt like there was enough matchups where it's a fine card because it cantrips, but the cost of paying three mana wasn't great. So, I don't know, it didn't didn't quite click with me. It was good in some spots, but then, as I said, rated it a 20 out of 20 because some spots, yeah, <laughs> ouch. Oh, it took a while for me to actually get the 2020 thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry. Perfect score. Awesome. So we have one more question. Actually, two more questions. Um, This one specifically for Martin again. From Marcus Ewald from Sweden. Hey, basically your neighbor, right? That's how it works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to play days in my Doomsday deck in a format not defined by a dominating tempo deck? Well, Marcus, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. And I know you don't want to play days. I know it sort of rides against every fiber of your land go playing being um but i yeah i don't know i i think for me if uh if the format is not defined by a dominating tempo deck i mean for me days is is for counter magic it's like to to beat counter magic primarily and then like the secondary use is that you get to days thalia or like a, a sphere of resistance or something and i don't like let's say that uh, blue red, blue red Delver is like banned, uh, and suddenly is not dominating the format, and another tempo deck doesn't sort of take its place. I would imagine that like counterspell decks are still going to be prevalent, and I still think, unless Days is actually banned, I still think I probably want to play Days in my Doomsday deck. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, if if the format becomes a lot less blue, then I think it's fair enough to ask the question. I think like in, in this in, in my recent uh, in this tournament here, I didn't play that many blue decks, and I think a lot of the times like I cited out days for force of negation against most of my death and taxes opponents. Um, oh, so... that's interesting. That's something I wouldn't have guessed. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, basically, it's because the card that matters is uh, like post board is is uh, deafening silence, and you can't daze that on the draw at least. Ah. So, um, and that's pretty much that's like I won't say that's all that matters, but that's like really, really what what it comes down to. I think a lot of the time. So, and you just like. A lot of the times, I don't know, I just, like, going behind, at, at least on the draw against Death and Taxes, I really hate days. I don't want to go behind on a land drop against the Rashad and Board deck, if I can help it. I think a version of Doomsday that doesn't play days is, is, is there now, and is probably fine, and can probably be tuned, and can do well, but, um, I just, I, days is just so good. <laughs> <laughs> based based yeah, on Mox's you... phrasing, I'm sure Predict replaces days. Yeah, I mean it's another two mana instant, right? So and it's exactly. blue, so yeah, yeah, that, that's just an easy swap. <laughs> okay, cool. So here's another question coming to us from our new Patreon, Francis, and Francis asking, um, referring to something we said on I think the last or second to last podcast about 
enjoying the legacy, uh, the formats with positivity, even when people are not happy about it. And he's asking, how do you three stay motivated to have fun with competitive legacy, even with a lot of people online super down on the format? Uh, I, I guess I, I could answer that uh, straight away, but how about you guys? Is there something that like, keeps you motivated and, and energized yeah. to, to just like play legacy? Yeah, a few ways. Um, one, playing paper. It's it's completely different to online. Uh, I think we've kind of said it a couple of times, like where I I just haven't been playing much online recently. I would have played Eternal Weekends. I probably would have tried to play two of them if I was around, but I've not played many leagues just because the return of paper. It's just more fun for me. It's just hanging out with friends. You just see more weird, interesting decks because I'm just lucky we have our monthlies that I run and we, we get like good numbers there. We have our weeklies and stuff. And it's, you know, I kind of, I get the a bit of a joy from it through there. The format at the moment for me is not super interesting. It's not too, it's not too bad, but it's it's not like kind of dragging me in. But it's weird because the most fun I've had over kind of the, the COVID legacy years has been with like Underworld Breach and Luris. So I'm not, I'm not really sure what I'm asking. So, <laughs> before, absolutely so. Generate, man. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I kind of, yeah, it does. It, it feels like the format has been this kind of weird circle of kind of Delver based deck or or like Oko and now or a kind of base control and it's just yeah so for me not playing online has been a way to have fun recently I would actually pretty much just echo that I've been getting into paper magic in the last couple of months for the first time since covid and that's been amazing and in in Copenhagen there's some you, you remember the old sort of quote-unquote gentleman's agreement with mystical tutor yeah yeah well, well there, there's like it there is an actual sort of i would say unspoken gentleman's agreement uh that that no one really plays bragavan um i, I this is it i think it's born out of people just not wanting to actually pay for the card when they have a very clear assumption that it's going to get banned but it just means that our weekly has like maybe one or two people playing ragavan at most and even if, if a lot of people were playing Ragman, I think just still going to paper events is just so so amazing compared to 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 just being stuck online. And I will say that I actually am not that motivated to play online right now. It was I hadn't planned on playing this weekend, and I just haven't really been playing much online lately because you have the the, the thing you know people call lame duck format where everyone is expecting something to happen right now. So it's just not for me. That's demotivating. So that that I guess, is a big part of it as well. I kind of forgot that it feels like that as well and. Yeah, I lame duck formats. I just never play at all. Well, online, I mean, again, it's it's funny with paper. The first weekly back um, in London, like after you know a year and a half of no, no paper, I, it was three rounds and I played against Ragavan Blue Red Delver twice. It was like, come on, guys! <laughs> but um, it it was a nice wake up call because it was just actually still fun because it was with people I know and it was actually legit fun. But uh, it was quite a funny return. But yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I think. We won't go into a band discussion at all now because I think rule. Yeah, probably that's probably something more for. It, but... Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably more for like maybe the next episode or something because I don't really think Wizards will do anything before at least Vintages in the books, and then it's probably gonna take another week for them to decide. Mm -hmm. I, I would think, right? but yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think so too. 
Yeah. So um, with regards to me, for me, it's really more about my well, paper is one thing, even though we, we had to cancel our next legacy, local legacy event here because COVID is the worst it's ever been in Germany right now, ever. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's going to get better at some point, but it doesn't really make sense to run a paper event. It's like, it's not, wasn't my decision. I just heard it from the guys who run it. Um, I, I always say we, but I'm not really involved with organizing it. I'm just like the guy who talks <laughs> about it on the podcast because it's such an amazing thing. But yeah, to me, it's, it's, the thing that I enjoy the most, even when, when there's a lot of negativity and like in parts definitely justified negativity about, around the form, it's, it's just the community. And it feels like such a dead horse to, to be. It's like, oh, the community is so great. But it's, I, I, you know, I just like love the shit talking decks on Twitter or like, you know, the, the, the friendly banter, I guess you, you would call it. like everything around that and, and like also creating content and, and hanging out with people in Discord and, and all of that. And I think that's just that's not something that I really, really enjoy. And also because I see how I feel when I consume other people's content, like whether they stream or a podcast or whatever, uh, not even like with re- only with regards to magic, but basically most things, when they're like always down or like complaining about getting unlucky and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, most people understand that it doesn't make you a very pleasant person to hang out with when you're constantly negative about stuff, even when it's justified especially like when when you don't have ways to change it like we can't really change the band list or anything so we make the best of it so if you like i yeah i i guess that's just like me and i, I don't want to be like that and I, c- I couldn't agree with that more as well mm. even even if i agree with some people like being really down about the format at the moment i just not interested in hearing it. it's like yeah i agree i we don't need to go in it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, it's the same, right? When, when I lost a match in, in paper, I don't want to go into like, oh, see, at this point, I could have won. And, and this, like, I, I, I don't know. One part of me is I don't want to do it because I know it's annoying for my opponent. But the other part of me is also because I don't want to be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, and I mean, everybody is that guy at some point in, in so. their life. And, and it's not like you stop being that because sometimes it still happens. But, yeah, and then, I, and then when people yeah. make the joke, if you didn't play this card that killed me, I would have won. Then you become that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you do the card you put in your deck. Outrageous. <laughs> I know. Unreal. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's basically um, for me. But I guess we, we kind of share the sentiment as well. I will say Doomsday players are especially lucky when they top deck after casting Doomsday. Like, they always get what they want. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's me casting it, then never mind. <laughs> it's, oh shit, a dead, uh, dead draw. The best thing is when they cast Doomsday and then concede. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It probably happens a lot in the beginning as well. <laughs> Francis has another question. Um, he's asking me about something I said in the last podcast. Uh, my point about how Legacy has a huge crowd that rarely plays. Uh, since he didn't really understand the context of that. Um, I'm not sure th- what exactly is the question here. But um, yeah, that's, I think, what, what I talked about in the last episode. That I think a l- very large percentage of people who identify as legacy players probably play less than, I don't know, one tournament a month. Like, especially during COVID, right? Like, not everybody is online. Like, I think the vast majority of players are still offline. And right. they still identify as legacy players, and they are legacy players, but they are not legacy grinders, I guess. But they are still, they make up the community. And those people, you only get so much extra play experience. So a lot of what you think about the format is shaped by what you see people 
whom you follow or who stream or whatever um, are saying about the format. I think that heavily influences how much those people enjoy the format, even if they don't get to play it all that much. So basically what I'm saying is when you follow a lot of creators who are very, very negative about the format all the time, like, I mean, not in the sense of that they don't say what needs to be said because when there's a problem in the format, you need to talk about it. But even then, there's positive ways to phrase it. But if you if you're overly exposed to people just like always whining and complaining about the state of something then that's probably heavily shaping the way you feel about the format as well and i don't know it's i'm not sure where i'm going with this but that's basically what i was saying about um on on the last episode that i feel like a lot of people have their opinions heavily shaped by what they see and not what they personally experience and that's I'm trying to get around sounding arrogant, but I don't give as much credit to what you're saying when you don't really play the format. (laughs) It's, it's. I think we've gone into it on kind of different topics, but we went into actually it was the like, what do you class as like the real legacy, quote unquote, and we went into both sides being legitimate from different perspectives. And if you're playing at your local game store, as you say, play once a month, but you read up and the the results and stuff and you kind of keep keep slightly up to date. But like, again, some people are in positions where they have a family they've got to look after, busy jobs or whatever. And people just don't have the time to put into playing loads online and keeping up with it. Like, I think this is, this is, wasn't, wasn't what you were trying to say. And by saying you're not trying to be arrogant, but like, uh, they just do have a different perspective because they haven't played against Toman Ragavan Dezu. 50,000 times and yeah it's it's a little bit different but i guess that's, that's a bad example still but um yeah, yeah it's, it's, just... it's just because i i've been on on that well quote-unquote other side of things in other games where i barely ever played but i i had like the most strong like the strongest opinions about stuff uh like oh yeah you, you need to change this and this is not balanced and that you know uh like in starcraft and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, especially in StarCraft 2, <laughs> after I kind of stopped playing, but I still thought well, I was playing, but guy. I wasn't really playing. Yeah, I, I was the guy who <laughs> complained about Terran all the time on Wings of Liberty. <laughs> Terran's my favorite, actually. <laughs> oh, you, you should join us when we play Brute War. Actually, mm-hmm. it's been a while. <laughs> Marcus still plays. I, I want to join Marcus next time. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's what I think about that. And then, actually, we have one more question. Just came in right before the podcast, coming from us from The Hackbird. Is Inspired Idea an interesting card for Doomsday? Or are there other... Uh, any other Crimson Bow cards that could be played. And for those who don't know, Inspired Idea, Sorcery to Colorless and a Blue, draw three cards. Your maximum hand size is reduced by three for the rest of the game. You can call, uh, you can cast it for five mana, two, uh, three colorless and two blue, and then it's just Ancestor Recall. You're the, the, the clause about removing the your hand size. Like, you you, can, call, hand you size. can call it Kicker. It's fine. It's basically kicker, right? Yeah, yeah you. It, it's basically a three mana card, and then there's kicker, colorless, and a blue, and that removes that clause about <laughs> reducing your hand size. Right. Um, well, yeah, I, mean, I explained that really, really badly. Yeah. So I, I think uh, for for the context of Doomsday, you probably won't be like casting it for its cleave cost. So it is then a blue mana and two colorless to draw three cards, and then with a downside, which is that your maximum hand size reduced by three for the, for the rest of the game. But like the current, I think the, the obvious like slot that this would be in contention for is the current Ideas Unbound slot. So Ideas Unbound is 
two mana only. It's blue blue, and it just says it says draw three. It's also sorcery, and then at the end of the turn, you discard your uh, three cards. So in both, like so, you could replace that with inspired idea. And if you only plan to cast this the turn you win the game, it doesn't matter that your hand is reduced. But I would say that I don't I don't think there is really any upside to this over Ideas Unbound, which is a mana cheaper. Um, I don't think casting it for, for its cleave cost is ever supposed to be an argument here. And if you want the, something at, for that um, mana cost, there is Meditate, um, which is an instant, and then costs, uh, yeah, blue and two, but then draws four. But you have to skip your next turn. So I think that draws a card more for the same mana, so I think I think I would try that out before trying this out, but I don't know, and I don't want to. Sp- I, I don't want to speak for the, uh, the Doomsday community as such, but um, that would just well, be my take. You better get used to it. You're on our podcast as the Doomsday expert now, <laughs> right? Okay, I, that, I was the poster boy, right? That's what you said. <laughs> that would be my assumption for the card as well. It's like the blue blue. I, I can see sometimes being a bit awkward, but like you, you set up piles where it's it's not and. Like the difference of a mana is going to be much more relevant, especially against these in the format and stuff. Would... Yeah, and in terms of the other part of the question, which is other Crimson Vow cards, I haven't I haven't sifted through the entire set at all. But uh, one of my friends, um, uh, Janus Andersen, which uh, and Janus actually top eight at a uh, Legacy GP in Birmingham, so he's not uh, he he knows uh, a thing or two about Legacy as well. He it has been playing Doomsday recently, and he pointed me towards this card called Reckless Impulse, which is a common from um, from Crimson Vow. So it is red and a colorless for a sorcery. It says exile the top two cards of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. And Janus is really high on this card, and I... Uh, initially, I thought about it as, as well in the, in the place of of ideas unbound as a way to like draw more than one card, but I don't think that's where you want to look at this. Maybe just as a sort of, uh, well, you know, a draw two, uh, basically that um, lets you, yeah, you 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 keep them for a turn anyways, and you can cast them. I I don't know at all if this card is it has what it takes, but it's at least interesting, um, especially because because. Red is is often the tertiary color of of Doomsday. Not always, but but often. So. Yeah, we have seen people play Knight's Whisper and predict and stuff in Doomsday. So you yeah, can exactly. build to be slower and things. We we're gonna have to actually edit this bit out, I'm afraid, because last episode I said this card is amazing in Ruby Storm and absolutely terrible in <laughs> everything else. So you're making me sound terrible, Martin. <laughs> but, uh, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> it, um, it is a very cool card, actually. Uh, I think it is quite powerful as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I I don't know if if yeah we'll 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 have to wait and see. Yeah. But um, I think if red was a heavier splash, or like if if you found another tool in red that you you sided like red in, I guess because like yeah you you play pyroblast with red mostly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then like you I guess you'd want two mana draw two against the same matchups as pyroblast probably, but like I don't know, do you even need that? <laughs> is is the first question and like. Are you doing that against Wasteland decks as well? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. Um, yeah. it, it, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, time will tell. I, I'm, I might give this a whirl at some point, um, but, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm not overly optimistic, but uh, it's, 
a two mana draw two, um, even with some restrictions, is that doesn't get pyroblasted is definitely sort of interesting. Talking about transitions that don't make sense at all, let's talk about the results of Eternal Weekend. So, as most of you know, we had three um, big events this uh, weekend, and you could win amazing prize. Actually, the prize structure wasn't all that amazing. I guess there's not too much value in going into it, but apparently the payout was pretty horrible. But uh, first place gets a painting. So we had a painting of Wasteland, a painting of Mayu, and a painting of Sylvan Library up for grabs and i guess we're going to start out with the very first event right that was yeah. the wasteland event on friday the, and these it, things are just because they're, they're very top heavy because the painting can be worth like up to 10k 10, right like yeah, ten thousand usually. very very like so super super top heavy and for a lot of players it's like the just doing well in an eternal weekend is the prize itself um it's very renowned kind of events so you gotta say that right because you both made top eight ones <laughs> yes exactly exactly and paper is obviously way more important <laughs> so yeah the wasteland event 344 uh, 54 players and i guess we're just gonna go through the top eight and then also gonna uh, talk a little bit about the interesting lists that we see in the top 16 because there's some real spice there uh, first place that's really cool was won by stefan schutz also known as mental misstep online or he usually also goes by cedrus uh on a lot of actually better does he even go by cedrus these days I, I don't know but he played blue red <laughs> <laughs> and he's yeah he's austrian um one of the best austrian legacy players i've ever known and he took down the entire thing even though he complained about that his list was actually trash <laughs> that's so him as well it's just like this is literally unplayable this rag god sucks fossil what the fuck uh, and then just wins with anything he's a, he's an absolute master he's been playing legacy forever um a lot of people i think most of our listeners will probably know about him and i haven't seen him like playing or competing too much i think the like you know less competitive events is kind of he's just he's just kind of stepped back a bit but then you know he comes out of retirement quote unquote and just crushes as usual so but you don't see messi or ronaldo playing like in the second german league or something you know (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's exactly what was going through my head yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. cool cool so second place another blue red diver by clone nine i'm actually looking at the lists right now they are quite similar they're using gut shots they're using mishra's bubble like the numbers are a little bit off both are running three divers like diver you know we're going from two diver being standard to three diver and this is like the big the big change (laughs) well you know what it's funny because yeah going from two delver to three delver is like not the craziest most exciting thing but my my assumption is this is a bit of a reaction to have more good cards against death and taxes yeah actually that's a really good point right um uh also ghoul ducat one of the legacy overmines i think he won the legacy gp in niagara falls or something Mm -hmm. daniel gutscher he got another top eight uh also playing blue red diver and he was actually playing four copies of of uh, he's in the same top eight as this one i believe yeah yeah, he's he's there as well seventh yeah yeah four delver what a world you know I never Can thought I'd imagine? see the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and right away at this list, by the way, um, because the other two lists are pretty straightforward, uh, you know, with um, Unholy Eden stuff. Daniel actually, <clears throat> he cut all of that tech and added his own tech. He, he's playing two Dead Gun. And for those who don't know, Dead Gun is a split card. Um, one half is basically deal to its shock right but you can only shock a creature for one red and the other is gun for two colorless and a red and you can bounce a creature you don't control and Callum, can you explain to us why this is amazing because you can uh, bounce your opponent's ragavan even if they dash it 
Is that what you were going for? No. <laughs> okay, fine. Maybe maybe a big blue dragon, potentially. Or twenty yeah, twenties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that sounds a lot better. <laughs> um, but this is amazing. I will right? I will say he like it lines up very, very nicely in the front right now. It's pretty clever. This is this is a Daniel card. He he's played it in like rug when even when like you know goifs and stuff are everywhere, he's played it in a lot of Delver lists. I think he just really likes the card. But it does line up nicely now because it kills the Ragavan. It's just more removal for that, so it, it can slot in for that um what's it called? Unholy Heat slot. Yeah, then the Bounce Creature, yeah, as you said. There were some like depth players out there as well, but I think probably helps with the dragon mostly. You do leave this list leaves yourself a lot weaker to endurance because you are going back to the full, full four delvers, and you know you don't really really want to bounce an endurance. It doesn't do much, and you know you need to two four your, yourself against endurance now. But uh, you know if he's expecting they need lots of mirrors, then I can see it being probably better than unholy heat. I'm not sure. I'm a bit skeptical of it honestly. Yeah, it's going to depend a lot, right, on how many endurances we're going to see going forward. Because I had that exact same problem that you mentioned when when I played that list. Because I, I straight up copy pasted the list from Daniel when I played in Eternal Weekend, and it feels really bad when your opponent's casting endurance, like really, mm. really bad, and, and there's re- not much you can do about it. Uh, on the other hand, if you're playing the mirror and your opponent gets the Dragon Rage Turner down. It's kind of like a main deck, main deck pyroblast almost, and that you get uh, not dragon rage Shana, Merktide region. I mean, it it's kind of like a main deck pyroblast, and that you all of a sudden now actually get to deal with the dragon instead of just like looking at it in awe, and and that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Sometimes you just like you see the uh, their name is paying costs, and you're like, oh shit, I'm dead. But it does give you a little bit of an help. Yeah. Yeah. So, looking at the other lists, um, we have in uh, third and fourth place uh, semi-finalists Shin Shin no no no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to make fun of it. That's what it looks like. <laughs> Shin no no no. <laughs> and uh, they played Green White Depth. By the way, one of the most successful decks of the entire weekend, uh, judging by win percentage from what I've seen. Uh, is there anything special we see in here? Looks pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, I think this deck just is great. I think it. It's been it's very good against Delver. I'm kind of surprised to not see it more and more and more. There was a weird little resurgence, like a blip where it was played a lot more, I guess a month or two ago. But now it seems to have calmed down a little bit, but I think it's it's an amazing deck. Yeah, I see uh, actually in the sideboard I'm seeing Seeds of Innocence. That's a card I've been that, that has been talked about a little bit more in the last couple of weeks, at least in my experience. Yeah. And that is a very old sorcery from is it Mirage? It is. Yeah, one colorless and two green bury all artifacts. And then each artifact's controller gains an amount of life equal to that artifact's casting cost. So I guess that's that's your attack against eight cast. Yeah. Boo, leave my artifacts alone. <laughs> yeah, my friend was playing that in his lands list uh, in the tournament yesterday. Oh yeah, I can see. I can, like with lands, when, when Acast gets out of control and then you only really have like Tabernacle to maybe somewhat control them. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they set it in against as a Saga decks, like the, the kind of Jeskai or Blue-Red Saga mid-range decks. Probably not. Well, is it better than Force of Vigor? Because Force of Vigor can take out the land. Yeah, well, yeah. You'd, you'd probably, you would board in the, the one Force of Vigor in the sideboard, but I'm thinking if they bring them in as well. I guess it depends on the sideboard mapping as well, right? Yeah. What, what are you going to take out, bring in? And it, it, it's a pretty hard hitting against 8-cast, right? And 8-cast has been yeah. really popular this weekend as well. It has. It has. So would you say this is where the 
the old aggro loam deck has moved towards or Dude, nobody knows like aggro loam is like floating around the room everywhere it's like yeah it's there <laughs> it's like talking to your ex-girlfriend it's talking to your current girlfriend <laughs> you have no idea what's actually going on with aggro loam yeah. yeah that's a good way to put it it feels like this feels like the sort of uh, like the child of, of maverick and aggro loam see i would have said it's like the continuation of actual depths as well just not turbo like slow depths as well yeah that's a good point so it is it's all three had a big party together um, <laughs> nine months later <laughs> exactly. and then they wake up in the morning and everybody's too scared to ask what actually happened so they just like keep playing this mission yeah. of a deck <laughs> nine months later elvis reclaimer is born and uh, yeah but it's, it's, an, it's an awesome deck it's another one of those decks that's i mean it plays magic, and I mean that sounds probably like weird when you know you can just, just like sometimes make a twenty twenty flying. Mm. But it's it's kind of cool, and that it also has these like really grindy draws. And there's to me, there's nothing more dreadful than when I see an active Elfish Reclaimer or Knight of the Reliquary on the other side of the board, and they have a flex stones in play. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, the card advantage is getting out of control. Just twin, like just concede, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, that's that's what it felt like to me. <laughs> uh, the other semifinalist, Lewis MJ, very well-known legacy grinder not only legacy grinder i guess uh on eight casts speak of the devil mm -hmm. this one is without the red splash that we went into last week from the the swedish innovations but otherwise looks pretty stock like um yeah he's cut the he's got the two leds and the two um uh Echo that we we like all saying was not very good so yeah this looks like a just a great pretty standard build and yeah as you said great deck continues to do well yeah there's also the 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 one of other spell bump i guess that's that's something you can get off the or the sagas to bounce yeah uh, i tried I, i'm trying to remember there was like one specific hate barry we were trying to bounce but i can't remember uh i think it's um tide regent that's a hate bear on your life total <laughs> exactly i do kind of uh, question yeah. i this one has four chalices and like some play twos and play threes this one has four and there's five one drops. Um, it's getting into awkward territory for me. Like there's a an Ithis spell bomb, an expedition map, a pithy needle, a retrofit of foundry, and a shadow spear. I think the shadow spear is like the best one you usually get. Retrofit of foundry is like very close second. And then the spell bomb and the map. I I, I haven't played as much as Lewis probably and some of the other better players with it, but I do question the map especially and maybe the spell bomb. Needle needle two like. I have been playing a bit, and every time you draw them with a the chalice, it's just you, you can lose the games. You do need like the, the cards, so I don't know. So next place, fifth place, or fifth through eight, I guess, uh, is Binu on Drumroll Brewer Delver, and this is another one of the pretty. Actually, it's not stock because it has a one of Pyroblast. Do we are we at that level in Legacy yet, where we talk about like one off changes like they used to do in Vintage, it's like a completely different deck now? No, this is Pyroblast Brewer Delver. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in Vintage, when they have, like, Demonic Tutor, it does make a big difference here. I can see why. There's a lot of blue cards being played in Legacy. True, true. <laughs> and Tune in yeah. next week for more up, like, a uh, high, <laughs> uh, very, very clever sayings. Clever analysis of a card that's just, like, one of the best sideboard <laughs> cards in the history of the game. <laughs> yeah. Moving on, sixth place, we got Wumbo Wizards. What an amazing name. I just lost to them in Vintage, by the way. <laughs> and they are playing, it, it says Barn Control here, right? Is that is that the classic pre-expressive um, iteration Barn mid-range list? Yeah. It they, looks they, like it. They have a Life from the Loam and a Field of the Dead and a Ketria Trium, which is, like, a little package, which I do quite, I do like quite a lot, and like one Supreme Verdict, which 
I don't like personally, but otherwise, yeah, you've got, I guess, two Snapcaster mages, pretty different. Like, yeah, uh, I was going to say. But we were talking earlier about, you know, God, four Delvers, what's what's going on here? Now I've got Snapcaster mage coming up. God, Legacy's weird these days. So they're not too normal. Part of Grace in the sideboard, I like it. <laughs> oh my God, this sideboard is just like, you don't, don't know what you're playing against, like. Yeah, Hushbringer, Hullbreacher, Court of Grace. Hushbringer. Even Veil of Summer is coming back. Oh, yeah. You don't like that one, do you, Martin? No, 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 no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's quite like a nightmare that uh, Bant starts playing that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That's an, it's an interesting list. Um, I guess the upside is you, you get to play your basic lands, right? At least a couple of them. And you kind of want to do something about... Or, or la, rather, let me approach from this side... One thing with bond control used to be that it lacked some kind of oomph with regards to like what are you gonna do when the Uro is gonna be gone and and you have to really prioritize Uro not getting surgical. But now it also has feel of the dead and and life from the loam to, to to just like have some kind of other engine that can eventually win you the game. And we we are also seeing that at least with regards to life from the loam in the four color list, right? That the ones that are splashing red for expressive duration and and sometimes pyroblast in the sideboard. Here we got the more stable mana base, but we are also uh, there. There must be a wasteland, right? Yeah, there's a one of wasteland. See, oh my god, I, I should be a deck builder. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah. Clap, clap. Si- sign me up to deck building school. You have life from the loam. You play wasteland. <laughs> one of <laughs> no, and, and you also have the feel after that. And yeah, that that just like gives you another strategic angle that you can play towards. And the that's one way to solve that problem that that deck used to have. Yeah, I'm a fan. I like it. I've seen I've seen um, played against and lost to Field of the Dead quite a few times now. It's it's a powerful one. Then in seventh place, yeah, we already talked about that. We have Daniel Götzschel, Guldukat, Blue Red Diver, the very innovative um, for Diver Secrets list. And then in eighth place. Uh, it, the name says X-Rail, and I didn't even know that, but that's actually Newton Hang, right? Who who was playing Elves in this event. Breaks the yes. I think Newton so, also won the trophy race in the last season. So X-Rail is a pretty well-known modern grinder, but his, his handle doesn't have the capital X. So Oh, that's why it's an I? Is it an I? I think... Or isn't it E? Or actually, you know, wait. It is, his name is X-Rail as well, but I think he just doesn't have the capital X. Newton's put a capital X in this one. Oh, that doesn't make a difference, whether it's a capital or not. But actually, no? you, you okay. know what? It's. I, I was so confused um, on how the name is actually spend, uh, spelled on the Magic Online results page because on the Magic Online results page, oh, it's an it's I. X Y. So yeah, it's it's if, when you spell it like with a capital I, it yeah. looks like a lowercase L. And, I see. Oh God, Very it clever. All makes sense. Dude, this, <laughs> Newton is like Newton is the guy who he, he has got so many fake and alt accounts. One day he's gonna come to a tournament. He's gonna be wearing like a mustache and like a top <laughs> yeah. hat. It's like no, no, my name is, and then he comes up with something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask you, Julian, about this list. Um, what's your take on the the Singleton Wasteland in the the Elf sideboard? I like it. It's basically like a tactical tool that you have available, right? It's not something you want to like do on a strategic level as in, oh, I'm going to constrict their mana and then I'm sure. going to cast stuff like somewhat off curve and stuff. It's just like something you have available to either like get rid of a tabernacle, which is often quite annoying, or you, you can preemptively get it and then, you know, it's just like another thing you have against a potential dark depth combo. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it makes sense um, when you have Reclaimer already available, right? You have the Pachuca Bog in the main deck to, to cover a lot of like graveyard stuff that's going on. And yeah, I, I can't 
emphasize enough how annoying both tabernacle is like people say tabernacle oh yeah easy you just get cradle yeah but cradle gets wasteland as well mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just like easier to either assassin's trophy yeah this list is assassin's trophy as well it's basically if you're playing black you across the board usually play assassin's trophy over prop decay like ever since Merktide region really became a thing um there's very little reason to play a prop decay anymore makes sense makes sense elves had a very good showing right i mean newton is always crushing with the deck and he does amazing with it but i think i saw quite a few others in the top eights and top 16s yeah especially in the second day right we're gonna get to that in a moment um i think it put like three in the top eight uh overall let me check in non-mirror win rate for elves 53 percent so one of the better decks yeah nice there's actually no crazy outliers uh, altogether. I guess we're going to go into that um, later. But yeah, that's but the second the Bayou event, right? I mean, that it makes sense that Elves is going to do well in the Bayou event. <laughs> of, of course, it has to be. So I'm going to jump uh, the gun here because in the pre-show chat, he was like, Julian, I'm going to get you to talk about it. Julian, what do you think of the list in position 14? It's the Mona Lisa of Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. It says Barn Spellseeker Senate. <laughs> what does it say in brackets? Uh, it's in brackets. It says sixty-seven cards. Yeah, main deck, and it's played by CF Suck Three. Come on, guys! Really, do we have a party <laughs> on the keyboard or something? Do you, do you know how many cards are in the sideboard? I would guess fifteen. No, there's twelve. Are you fucking kidding me? There's no way. <laughs> it's true. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god, it's twelve. <laughs> This yeah. is like somebody, this is the perfect Mona Lisa. Now it's a little bit damaged to make it more authentic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like, I I can't explain it. I, I'm too pea-brained. They have a Twitter post explaining it. So we'll we'll link it as well because it's interesting and people might have questions. But they said... Uh, people will have find... a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. But like they, they explain it and I'm not going to say it's right or wrong, but like they have reasoning for it. Um, so... First of all, just to explain the deck very quickly. It's like a it has um, source plowshares, brainstorm, uh, ice fan quaddles, and uro and fossil wheel and prismatic ending, like some general band good stuff things. And then it has uh, four greens and zeniths, two eternal witness, and scavenger use and knight of autumn as some like tech- techie things. But the core of the deck is using uh, ephemerate and eternal witness to basically you get a free eternal witness trigger every every turn every cycle. And then you have one Orem's Chant. So what you can do with that is you can cast cast the Orem's Chant in their upkeep, lock them out, they can't attack and can't cast spells. And then you, with the Ephemerate, you return both the Ephemerate and the Orem's Chant. So this is a lock. This is, sorry, actually, I've just realized this is on their Twitter, which we're going to link to. In the actual event, they played a Piracy Charm. Piracy Charm is a one blue instant, which you can make your opponent discard a card. So you'll do a similar thing where you, you can actually like lock uh, people out by using that in their draw step, and then you return the Piracy Charm and the Ephemerate. So it's it's pretty pretty crazy. And I, I played a similar deck to this in modern with uh, Soul Herder and stuff, and I really really loved using Teferi to like guarantee the lockout. But it's it's actually a very powerful engine. So you, I was using Silence there. But the 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 reasoning for sixty seven twelve is you have a lot of bad tutor targets that give huge percent, uh, percentage points in certain spots most prominently spellseeker's power greatly increases with each ephemerate you put in your deck but ephemerate isn't a good draw most of the time ergo over 60 but carpet is by far the best card you can possibly draw versus blue rod shells by the way he has three main deck carpets so it seemed useful <laughs> to just be able to board down to fewer cards just to increase this chance i don't know if it could just be worse than 60 80 your own does have good synergy but don't know 
made sense to me. Shell <laughs> feels really good though. Has seemed great versus most decks in the format so far. Strongly recommend. And they they six six two the legacy event, losing the last win in against Daniel Gutschall. And they forward a prelim just before as well. So uh yeah, tell us your thoughts about sixty seven twelve. Wait, wait, wait. You, you're telling me the twelve is actually a conscious decision, so you can like Bought out. Does that actually how it works? You can like if you if you're playing fewer side broadcasts, you can decrease your main deck size. I believe so. Can you? I I, I always thought you have to you have to stay at the same main deck size you 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 registered. I think your main deck can be might bigger, just... right? You can board instead. You can make it bigger, but you can't make yeah, it smaller. Yeah. Okay. I, I, like <laughs> I, my guess is they literally just forgot to add three cards, or wizards forgot to post three cards. I mean, they've. They've written sixty-seven twelve in okay, their so it's tweet. It's actually like a conscious decision. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Okay, I, actually, you know what? I'm actually going to Google this for a second. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure you can't go down on your main deck size, even if you play more than sixty. But I get. I, I guess know. like when decks is always sixty cards, then it, it this question never comes up. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, but you can't. You you can't put like. Oh yeah, I, I was gonna say you can't put sixteen cards in your sideboard, but you wouldn't be putting sixteen cards in your sideboard for game two if it's yeah. like less. What the fuck is this? Just like the next level of deck building. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god! This is insane. This is absolutely insane. Mm. <laughs> and it doesn't stop there, right? They they also have like I don't even know Everbrook caretaker. Uh, that if anybody here listening to this knows what Averbrook Caretaker does. Uh, consider yourself uh, I, I don't know. I know expert. exactly what this card does because I absolutely detest and hate the ability Hexproof. So as soon as it was spoiled, everyone in like my London chat sent it and tagged me saying, Callum, Callum, you've got a f- new favourite card. So That's um, a dog on it, right? Or is it a wolf? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like a six mana 4-4 four, four with Hexproof and then it flips into a 6-6 six, six that gives everything Hexproof. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may put, put two plus one plus one counters on all another your creatures. Cre- yeah, on another target creature you control. Oh, that's the and first side, clips, yeah. yeah, yeah. On, on, on the on the night side, it's at the beginning of your upkeep on your turn. Put two counters on each creature. You're right. You're right. I gotta say, what the fuck is this card? Like, how yeah. do you look at? The, how do you like think about? I want a top end <laughs> in the sideboard for a specific matchup, and it's gotta be this. Yeah. Look, I don't want to like laugh because they've done very well and like they've written their reasoning sixty-seven twelve, and I th- it has to be that you know that you, we just don't know the rules and they they are giga brain. So I'm just in awe. It's it's yeah. I'm I'm, I'm not loving, loving about thinking. the card. I'm loving about how how the card like even comes to mind in the first place. It's like yeah. six mana. I can get so much front and legacy for six mana. Yeah, uh, no, no then... like primeval <laughs> titan or. Yeah. Carnage Tyrant or Shifting Seraphim. They have another high end, by the way. They have Paradox Zone, which is an enchantment for colorless and uh, green. By the way, I think we've never read out this many cards in a non spoiler <laughs> episode. Yeah. <laughs> what does this one do? I have no idea. Yeah, it, it enters the battlefield with a growth counter on it. What it does is it triggers at the end of turn and it doubles the amount of counters on it. And then you create uh, XX, uh, rather a pl- zero, 0 creature and it gets X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. So on the very first th- uh, turn, I think it creates a 2 2, then a 4 4, then an 8 8, then a 16 16, and so on and so on. Yeah, once you get to like turn 8 or 9, you, you'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> what matchup do you think this is for? 
Well, I guess it's like pretty good against um, anything that's trying to handle your your permanent stuff. With yeah, I was just gonna say process. like prismatic ending decks. True, true. Very good point. Yeah. Wild. Uh, my my hat is tipped to you, CF Sock Three. But <laughs> well, there's an Angel's Grace as well. I guess Angel's Grace is, is cool in the, in the sense that you you also can't lose the game, right? So you you can win against Doomsday and have split second. Yeah, this this deck. The, the, sorry, this card just sort of sucker punches Doomsday. If if you ever want to be sure to be Doomsday, <laughs> just play this. This is amazing, dudes. I, I know one person who's immediately gonna stream with this, and that's Phil Gallagher, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. Gotta be it. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm going to play this. I love it. It's super sweet. You know, what if it actually becomes a format all-star? And I wonder how many people are actually going to go to like 67-12. I need to, I need to like just think about this more. It's just, I don't know. I can I can see it also being like not right, quote-unquote, and you just want to have more options available to you. But their, their reasoning was like, you know, there's enough matchups where you want to cut the three carpets and, you know, and then just don't have don't want to have to bring these like one of or two of cyborg cards which are bad in the matchup in but, but did you actually say did they actually say on twitter that they do that thing where they take out like three cards from the main deck they must put do, them on right? the sideboard they must do wait you you're just, I, I thought that they actually said that because to me it, it's so weird yeah i'm actually you know what i'm actually gonna look this up and i'm gonna edit it in whether it's possible or not so the listeners can actually know because we actually don't know right yeah let's find out Hey, if you touch in here, I just looked it up, and you can actually do this madness. According to Tournament Rules 3.16, which specify that you don't have to exchange cards one by one. Which usually, you know, means you can bring in more cards and you side out. That's the rare thing that you sometimes see. But in this case, it can also mean that you can side out more cards than you bring in. Which is absolute madness. <laughs> Loving it. So back to the episode. Cool, cool. So, um, by the way, there's also JPA in 93 in the top 16 now. <laughs> and Adlai playing Mono Red Painter. Dude, there's so many known grinders here. That's amazing. Yeah. Namaskots as well as a grinder, Soul Strong. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, why don't we move on to the bar you went, also known as uh, three elves walk into a top eight and have a big party. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's pretty cool. So that event had 319 players. It was the smallest of all the tournament weekend events um, that weekend. First place, we have Jörg Heinrich, also known as Aaron Relentless on Fs. So I don't know why he made a new thing, um, but <laughs> a new account. But yeah, I guess that's just like a thing for Fs players. You you make a new account to, <laughs> to hide your true identity. It's just weird when it's actually your straight up name. Yeah, <laughs> it must strange. be like... Yeah, playing playing in Eternal Weekend. If you do well, you want your name out there, the recognition. That's true. That's true. Actually, that's that's a really good point. Oh yeah. So I I think this looks like exactly Newton's list. They they talk together all the time. They've they play together. They're very very close, I believe. So it looks like exactly the, the sideboard same. is somewhat different. I think Jörg is playing a crop rotation as sideboard. He's playing one of your Force of Vigor. He's only playing two instead of three oh, copies. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I think the rest is pretty similar. I mean, strategically, it's it's very similar anyway. And I think the main deck is prob yeah, the main deck is basically the same. The only thing I would need to look up is the number of virtual ranges, but I think Newton also runs too. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. So yeah, gr- great job by Jörg. Um, I think yep. Jörg has been grinding on Magic Online for quite a while, right? You, you always see him like in the challenges and Absolutely, focus yeah. challenges and stuff. And yeah, this is this is your big breakout finish. Enjoy your Bayou painting, man. Yep. Yeah, amazing, amazing player. Great achievement, yeah. Second place, we have 
another four color Yorion Sunder deck by Talisker. And uh, that is. Yeah, these, oh, it's one of those decks. These these Yorion <laughs> Zenith decks with like Primeval Titan, I've really only seen two people play it a decent amount, which has been um, McQuinn Source, which is you know very very well known Magic Online player of all formats, and then Tim Wilder, um, American guy, he used to be like very involved with miracles and stuff. He's always Isn't saying he, he does he does well with these. Sorry, Tim Wilder isn't that an actor? Mm, could be. I don't know actors very well. <laughs> So but, uh, t- he's he's also a magic player. <laughs> I, I assume Tim Wilder is then the person who th- finished third in yesterday's tournament, right? T Wilder, 3, yes, who was on the he same. He did list. indeed top eight. Yeah, oh, there we go. It is indeed him. I actually I clocked that earlier. I was like, yeah, I should mention that, and then oh yeah, all right, all right, good, sure, good catch. <laughs> so, in what ways are these decks actually different from from the other Yorio and Barn Midrange deck lists that we see? Because I see this one is actually splashing uh, black instead of red, right? So black is for Leovold and I guess prismatic ending flexibility. And Grist. Oh, Grist as well. Yeah, good point. Uh, I'm lost in all the deck lists now. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, so and this one's also playing for abundant growth, which is, I guess, one of the, the very first things people tried to do when Yorion came around in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These lists, so yeah, there was a few, right? So there's this one here. There was, and also in the event yesterday, there was two, I believe. Um, bit of a a bit of a breakout, right? Yeah, yeah. Gershi played it as well. Um, yeah, Tim Wilder, as you mentioned, and and this event as well. This where is this actually coming from? Is 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 this really originating from Tim Wilder's head? Because it's it's kind of been there for a while, but it never really splashed black, I believe. I don't know. Does it actually have Plague Engineer in the side? Oh my god, it has Plague Engineer in the side. Of course it does. Yeah. I don't don't, want to go through this again. I know that Tim has been playing and um saying it's a good deck for like a long time like a year plus in the miracles discord and posting his results i don't think he plays tons online so it might not be where like other people get the idea from because mcguin source plays it a lot as well he plays in all the prelims and he's just an amazing player so it probably gets posted quite a lot but so i'm not quite sure of these at origins and stuff but it's just it's like it's it's got all the normal fossil wheels, source splashes, prismatic ending, bunch of cantrips, but then it has the ability to go over the other decks. I think because it has the field of the dead and primeval titan with green sun zenith, and then you also have these these this whole toolbox of green sun zenith, as you all know very well, where it has the knight of autumn, a leovold, a remnant excavator, and stuff. So you're really just using, I guess, the the the, the mana you gain from playing a slower game. It's using that better than the normal mid range decks. You still have three euros, of course, as well. Yeah, interestingly, you also have four wastelands, and I guess the way you make it work is you also have acceleration and green sun senate, and one of birds of paradise. So I guess it's somewhat easier to wasteland when you are also playing acceleration, as opposed yeah. to like you know the other um, the, the four color Yorian decks, uh, or even like the three color Bant decks that are playing uh, um, Bant uh, uh, that are playing Loam and a single of waste singleton, singleton wasteland. Yeah, I guess because it, it has a the remnant excavator. It's just it can be so brutal if someone just doesn't have an answer for it, and you're bringing back a wasteland each turn. It can lock people I mean, up pretty fast as well. Yeah, I guess at this point we really don't call it control anymore, right? This is like straight up green mid range with like some other colors showing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This, it's this it's is like <laughs> <laughs> it's a pile of uh, yeah cards in these colors. <laughs> so I faced this deck twice in in the tournament yesterday, and I definitely had a hard time sort of gaming against it just because it's not i don't know it does like it doesn't work like a like a control deck right 
I think you're right in mm-hmm. saying that it's more like a mid-range deck. And um, I, I haven't been playing against a lot of blue mid-range for a while, I think. They're, they've all been more sort of skewed towards control. I guess you as a Doomsday player, you're pretty scared of Leovold, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. Like, Leovold effects are just, like, pr- like traditionally pretty pretty hard to, to beat. So we really don't want Leovold to play. Um, but yeah. then when the deck that's casting Leovold also has, like, like eight forces, probably post post sideboard, I, I think, or no, maybe six. Yeah, there's six there's seven seven main already. Uh, and yeah, but then the and there was wasteland. Yeah, it's just like I I I I brought in some, like red red blasts in in one of these matches, uh, and, and ended up sort of boarding it out for game three just because it didn't really feel like mm-hmm. like you know there there are a lot of. of like there, there aren't that many obvious red blast targets aside from Leovold. I think you don't want to bring in red blast just to counter Force of Will. Yeah, I guess enough. it's just like one of those those decks that are really awkward to to figure yeah. out yeah. what your role is supposed to be, what your strategy is supposed to be, and they heavily capitalize on that because they they can just like play their game and they see which cards they draw and how it's going to work out. But you have to decide ahead of time what is my strategy going to be what, how am i going to side but like you mentioned right you brought in pyroblasts then you realized yeah that doesn't really feel all that right so you, you took them out again yeah yeah exactly like you you want pyroblasts when your opponent is like a bit more heavy on stuff like meddling mage and like teferi and narset maybe but at the end of the day like there just isn't that much to pyroblast here aside from counter spells um <laughs> yeah it is it is yeah. literally counter spells or the Leovold, but they're going to be getting it with Greens and Zenith, right? So it's kind of not even a good trade. It's something you have to do, and you're probably just hoping to daze the Green Sun, I would assume. Instead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that's actually so annoying. When you know you won't even be able to Pyroblast the Senate, and then you, you get the two-for-one on, on killing the Leovold. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's like it's annoying to play against Fuck It is it. very annoying, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I think it. I think it's pretty good. Um, yeah. it's, one, it's one of these ones where, I don't know, it doesn't look very powerful but it just yeah it it wins the games by having these toolboxes which is funny to say for a urian deck but it really does actually green Zenith is amazing with a urian because it does give yeah. you this uh, added um reliable ways of finding your bullets and stuff and finding your arrows when you need to whatever and yeah grist is just also amazing green Zenith, as we'll know yeah. yeah, yeah. I could definitely, I could definitely see the 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 mid range problem affecting this deck pretty badly though. Drawing the wrong side of your deck, drawing the wrong lands, too many cantrips, not enough and stuff. But look, I haven't played enough of these players, and it did pretty well this weekend. So yeah, it's probably a deck to look out for. Yeah, it's funny. Like if you look at this this Urion deck, and then like Death and Taxes Urion and Esper Vile, they were all like like uh, tutor decks, right? So you got Green Sun Zenith, yeah. and you got like Recruiter and the other ones. I think you could just kind of need that if you want to play 80 cards, or it's it's at least sort of is a benefit. Yeah, very much agree. Yeah, moving on in uh, well, semi-finalist, uh, Callum, you you predicted this right? We got Anorak. Anorak does Anzi D on Magic Online in third, fourth place, playing his I guess trademark deck at this point, Barn Expressive Iteration. So four color four color Barn sounds weird, but I, I guess most people will know what it is. It's a Barn deck that splashes threat for. Expressive iteration and pyroblast, and I see also is it static caster and a meltdown on the sideboard. Yeah, meltdown is another big card in the format now. So yeah, I'd, this I'd list call looks it, pretty straight. I'd say I'd call it yeah. like he's probably mostly splashing for the blasts. Um, iteration as a tour of is saying that like it's a great card, but 
the deck might not necessarily need it, need it, but like blasts are just. Whenever I watch him stream and he plays something without blasts, he's always just like, "God, I feel so naked. This is horrible." And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I heard him talk a little bit about the list on on a stream when he streamed on Sunday, and one of the big changes is uh, where he doesn't have terminus at all anymore, and that's why I said he's slowly turning into the most into the scariest version of himself that could ever be as a legacy player because now he's <laughs> really given up on on terminus and that stuff, and and he's fully committed to to playing the most powerful deck he can, and yeah, we we have a high breach on the main deck. I think that's something he previously didn't have. We have another high breach on the sideboard. That's just like such an amazing card. Yeah, I've very, very often seen like two or three Endurance, but now there's like one Sapcaster Mage, one Endurance, one Hollow Breacher. And I think it's very often three Uro as well. So I haven't been watching enough streams to see where he's been doing the tinkering, but there's some changes there. I also yeah, saw also something some... that's really important here is ne- never try to get rid of your um, Uros, when, or, or rather try to play around Surgical Extraction as much as you can. Because like, I've been watching that Sunday event from his perspective, and he would often literally just like not cast Uro when it would go to the graveyard when he couldn't protect it from a surgical extraction, even though he like he had all the mana to do it because it's just like such a big thing that you may never, never, never have your Uro surgical extraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good play because I guess he does have some win conditions, but yeah, not many. I saw him do some filthy things with all the wastelands. There's two main one side and then one life from the loam. That's all you need. Yeah. So uh, he played against post and then he was just like, it was looking really bad. The opponent was going to untap with loads of mana. And then the Sylvan Library finds like the loam on the third card and he has like wasteland and then Uro going. So he gets to like wasteland three or four times in a turn or something ridiculous. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Sylvan Library, not so secretly, is the big glue that holds the deck together, right? People talk yeah. about brainstorm and everything, but Sylvan Library really makes or break the stack. The stack. Like Sylvan Library is especially against like a lot of mid-range mirrors this is just like your straight up game plan and i guess in that sense it also makes sense to to add like more high breaches also like to have more stuff against elves which is like otherwise the troublesome matchup with this configuration i would guess uh i guess the the as it said casters really help after sideboarding yeah. and yeah that, that helps. by the way i've i've seen him do stuff where he went dress down and then he chase bounds the progenitors <laughs> that's so nice that's great I thought Sylvan Library yeah. was supposed to like not be that good anymore with Prismatic Ending but I guess not mm, I guess it's one I of mean, these it's similar to Ragavan where it's just like you need to have your Prismatic Ending for 2 mana against my 2 mana thing on curve otherwise yeah. you get the advantage straight away yeah, and it's very much worth it to, to fight over it right if, if you get it down and they, it's also like awkward for them if, if you if you get it down and, and they for they fight over it. Do they want to force it? Because it's like a weird spot for them when you have the second copy. Sure. Uh, whereas if they let it resolve, the second copy is rather useless for a while uh, until you find a brainstorm. So yeah, I I thought I hated these kind of decks, but <laughs> the more I think about it, the the more I kind of like it. Like I, I like it when there's a lots of strategic depth to our deck, and and this one really has it. Like it's really teched out, right? It's also only playing like two expressive iterations. So I guess that's just like not more room, and and. Almost every card's a role player, right? And and mm. that's kind of cool. This is <laughs> Dresden, kinda... weird, Dresden plays the weird role as terminus because I think if people are not going super wide, you you can overpower it with just like you already have prismatic ending and source of plowshares as the obvious spot removal, but then Uro very quickly takes over boards if they don't present too much. And then dress down is like 
the only decks that are going wide really are with Urza Saga or Elves. And then I think Elves is probably quite good against this game one. You need to find your Hull Breacher. I did see him beat it some game ones, like it definitely happens. But um, Dressdown just plays so many roles and is so effective. And yeah, as I said, Urza Saga is the way to go wide against these control decks often. And it just very cleanly answers that. So if if we ever get to a point where Delver becomes like more reliably three colors again, if this is control and that Delver is three colors, isn't the format ripe for like Blood Moon to make a like a triumphant comeback? <laughs> Could be. Could be. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Why? Why is there some reason why I think? Yeah, I've 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 liked well, I've liked Blood I Moon Painter, ending. but then I liked as a Saga and Painter as well. And then the other decks is like. Blood Moon is good, but then Chalice is not great. So where does Blood Moon go kind of question? Yeah, good point. But you're right, though, I think. I, there was a time when I played Blood Elves. It was one of the worst <laughs> iterations of Elves I ever created. I've seen that. The, the idea yeah. was very simple. You could accelerate in the first turn and, and splash Blood Moon in the second turn. But yeah, yeah. It's, it was horrible. It was really bad. <laughs> Actually, the other the other point against Blood Moon right now is Ragavan just makes it look really, really silly. Yeah, that's true. Because you just dash it and then you have mana and yeah. Yeah, true, true. In speaking of elves, we have another elves list. Maraxis of NL. I think that's actually um, uh, PVDH. Help me out. Um, not Peter Paul Vanderham. I, I, Peter Vanderham, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he grabbed, I think he grabbed Newton's list, he said, he, and he made it slightly worse, he said. Uh, he cut <laughs> all the the um, Once Upon a Times. Um, rightfully, though, added a land, because if you, like, if you cut three Once Upon a Times from elves, you definitely got to go up a land. And yeah, that looks otherwise pretty similar. We we removed our force of figure for a reclamation sage to get that continuous removal, I guess. And oh yeah, he he's running two Quirion range. Yeah, okay, he actually changed it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> he's running two Quirion range, which always helps with the mana, gives you a little bit more ramp. Um, don't, I don't hate it, but I really I've really been enjoying Once Upon a Time and F, so mm-hmm. I, I would probably still go with Once Upon a Time. Two Korean range looks so funny to me because the card is always so amazing whenever I've played it, but I guess, and even especially with Reclaimer, but I, I don't know. I didn't yeah, I wonder how many whether that really comes up all that often. Um, be- because whenever I play the Reclaimer list, I rarely use Reclaimer uh, just because it's such a big tempo loss, at least in the early game. Um, but later on in the game, there's not too much value to be gotten with it, to, like when you want to use it twice. So for me, it's like the, the most important thing is for it to be like a 3-4, which is always like the most inconvenient size for your opponent. Uh, and also having access to to all these, silver, or rather like the most important silver bullets in the deck. So yeah. I don't really want to use it twice early on in the game. And in the mid game, there's less reason to do it. So I, I guess it's also actually, never mind what I just said, like untapping the, uh, the reclaim is like four mana to get two activations as well, which... Yeah, doesn't seem like what else wants to be doing. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, um, he, he did really well with it. And now here comes my pick for winning the event. And so, so we both got kind of right. You, yeah. you picked Anorak um, in the semifinals. I picked into play Mr. Tony. Murata. Which of the many legacy Tonys is Tony Morata? Tony Morata awesome. Yeah. Tony Morata, very well known Green Post player, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, you called it. So, Anorak's slightly above him, so I'm going to take my win over you, Julian. Uh, but yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, no, good call as well. He's 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 a master, of, as we've said quite a few times in the cast. Um, so great to see him there. Like, not surprising to his credit. Um, he just... I love the sideboard, by the way. This this is the most straight up 
Sidebar, you could imagine. Four oh, off, four off, four off, three off. In my head, I was thinking, when does Julian mention this, how much he likes it? <laughs> I, I just love it. Like, he, he really knows which cards are good and what your deck needs, like, which kind of help you need afterwards. You need help against fast combo. You need help against anything tempo-y. You need help against uh, the graveyard. And you need help against, like, all these, these artifact decks running around. And that's what you got. And that's amazing. And I'm loving it. Do you want to say what the cards are? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are Mindbreak Trap, Carpet of Flowers, Force of Vigor, probably three of the best sideboard cards at what they do in the entire format, and three of Endurance. And I would guess, yeah, there's Endurance in the main deck. So after sideboarding, you, you're also going to have four Endurance. Yeah. I just, I, I love this way of, of, of thinking about stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is the way that decks like this need to go. Like, he does have a lot of kind of utility in the, in the mana base with the expedition maps and crop rotations and stuff and the Elvish Reclaimers. But lands don't do everything sometimes. Like, I know I'm going to have the lands players out there say, whoa, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, um, you know, there's, especially against combo decks, you do need these mind break traps. And they are cards where, like, there's decks out there which make you just have it turn one or turn two. And they know against these green post decks that, like, they could be playing mind break traps. They could be playing, like, Sphere of Resistance as something sometimes play or whatever. So they're, they're not quite 100% sure what's coming. So... Against these slower decks, they do just go for it very often. So I can see these free spells being super clutch. Definitely. And moving on, we in the quarterfinals, we got Fluffy21 playing uh, one of the more traditional elves lists. And he oh, he, he brought back the scavenging list. Dude, I love mm-hmm. that card so much. Every <laughs> time I cut it from elves, I get into situations where I have like send it yeah. to get ooze and it's just not there. And it feels like a part of your of yours missing. It's By the way, I'm pretty sure Fluffy21 is the guy who won the Swedish event last we did last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we only got... Oh, okay, so Sweden making another big, great showing here. Mm-hmm. I've got your name, I'm afraid, but uh, yeah, the 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 Vintage Master as well. Gotta teach me about Vintage, dude. Uh, uh, by the <laughs> way, are you going to play in, in Vintage Eternal Masters? Uh, Eternal Masters, Eternal Weekend? Good question. I didn't <laughs> I didn't even think about it till you've just said it now. Uh, I'm about to move into a new flat. I got some keys for a new flat this morning, so I'll probably be busy with that. But oh, see if I can okay. find some time. I guess that's a really good reason not to. Yes. Yeah. And I, Martin, are, are you gonna be playing? I I consider it, but I I there's no way in hell I'm playing this Sunday event again and, and like playing another all nighter. <laughs> today I've been completely wrecked. Um, so it would have to be Saturday, and and I don't think that's gonna fit in with the family plans. So oh, perfect. So it's basically just like me it's going straight to the top eight. I've yeah, also just yeah, looked yeah. my calendar, and I'm going on a. <laughs> a uh, be a mile thing on Saturday afternoon so I don't think I'll be in a good state to do it <laughs> so, I don't even know what that is but have fun <laughs> you go to a pub drink beer you go to another pub you drink beer and then you oh, do so it like a, like, like a pub crawl exactly yeah oh okay okay <laughs> so it's all in you Julian you need to like you know hoist up us three you yeah I, to... I just went like two three in a league so I'm basically like all ready to take down the event right <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna play shops well, I played shops in the league, but then I got destroyed by Thalia, and that wasn't fun. So we, we will see. It's probably going to be shops or some kind of blue tanker deck. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh. Um. So yeah, this is this is. Oh yeah, we we, we got two more players on top of it. We got Squid War on eight cast. Uh, taking a quick look at that, there is well, there's two lines of diamond and two echo of eons. That's the thing, right? That yep. you already mentioned. It it goes in and out of the deck. It's not always there. Yep. Otherwise. Uh... Everything else looks pretty pretty normal for it. Gotta yeah, love yeah. those Torp Robs, hey Martin. Yeah, get them in there. Look, that that <laughs> deck is just not that was my only loss in Swiss as well. Um it's also kinda like I'm I'm unfamiliar playing with like playing against it. 
because it, it has usurped the old Karn's Echo deck, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Chalice of the Void. Uh, it doesn't have Karn? Is that right? Or am I just not seeing him? It doesn't have Karn, no. It doesn't have Karn. Okay, that's, a, that's at least something. But, um, yeah. Force of Will, Chalice, I don't know. It's, um,. It's it's not the combo player's favorite sort of mishmash of cards. Um, <laughs> no, I, I can see that, yeah. yeah. And then rounding up the top eight, we have Scarlet Storms playing another, I think, pretty straight-up version of Blue-Red Delva, also having the Pyroblast in the main. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing now. Yep, two, two Delvas. Yeah. So anything else in the top 16? I guess in 15th place we see the Daddy. Um, I've been somewhat vocal about how I think Dredge could actually be really good. Uh Obviously, endurance is a problem, but other than that, you don't really see that much dedicated graveyard hate. I don't know. I know. I know the daddy in real life, and he's just like. When is there? Okay, where is this going now? <laughs> Actually, before going into that, the best thing. Before, uh, this was pre-COVID at one of our London events. He, I didn't know who was there. He came up to me. He's like, "Hey, are you uh, are you white faces like uh, MTG stuff?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah. Who are you?" He's like, "I'm the daddy." <laughs> best introduction That's such a bold nickname yeah yeah so he um he top eighted one of he came to an event a few months ago and he top eighted and he was just like dredge it's all it's what i have i love it but it just it's so bad against endurance i don't think he thinks it's very good but i, don't, I think fair, fair. endurance Does endurance actually target can, can you get like get around endurance both later of sanctity yeah i haven't looked at this list yet but i believe he plays two he told me in this he event he played three copies okay that'll, that'll be it yeah he says that's how he tries to beat it um yeah i guess if you get those down but in that case i would probably like straight up play four and and then try to like smash all the control decks the, the problem is like you you can you can lose game ones is the problem and then you can summon... and you're not supposed to stretch yeah I, exactly I, I guess, and then, yeah, I can and then see that. if you have to beat win two cyborg games even if you have the the um the Leyland sometimes it's like sometimes your your action just gets forced and you you have a bad time and yeah yeah uh, if I can chime in on that as another combo deck that is so, somewhat soft to endurance there aren't that many endurances in the main decks right now I think people have dialed down a bit so that's something that's a fair point like we did see Anorak with just one yeah yeah that is fair so I could see Dredge have its like one weekend soon <laughs> it, it does well and then people are like, all right. Get this shit out of here. Three endurances again, <laughs> and then back home with life. Um, we do have DNT in ninth with the Mall of the Skyclaves, which we talked about before. Same player from the Italian uh, Four Seasons big event, MM seventeen. That's interesting. Mm -hmm, mm, yeah, yeah. Dutton Texas overall didn't have the best showing this weekend, right? I think it also has one of the lowest win percentages, uh, at least uh, on this weekend. Yeah. At let me check, forty-seven percent. I mean, yeah. It's not great. Like the best deck uh, percentage-wise is green-white depth at forty-nine, which is actually like pretty insane, right? That's that's almost sixty percent win percentage for, for that kind of deck. Mm -hmm. All the other ones are hovering between like forty-nine and uh, fifty-three. Right. I, I gotta say, on I don't have the the uh, how did the blue-red saga deck do? Because I'm going to call myself an idiot here because I was just like hyping up, like this is the deck to play. This is, is going to be good. Suma deck and yeah. And there's nothing. So in the numbers that were delivered to us, um, I think it's looped in with uh, Blue Red Diver, so we can't really tell. Blue Red Diver yeah, has like enough. a percentage of 53, so if somebody wanted to go into the, the Voirod XP um, <laughs> Legacy Data Collection thing and, and check it out, you, you could probably like figure that out, but... But there's none really of them in the any of these here. top 16s, so 
my my prediction is a bit of a flop, <laughs> to put it lightly. <laughs> Happens. <Yeah>. Happens. <laughs> Indeed. So moving forward, we have one more event. We have the Sylvan Library event. By far the biggest event of the weekend. 554 players. Like this this was the event that was at a con- somewhat convenient time for Europe at least. Uh, unless you made top 8, then it got really <laughs> ugly. Really good for most of America and rather bad. Yeah, pretty unplayable for most people in East Asia. So... Looking at the results, we, we already teased it, right? We got Billy Mitchell, um, Bad Luck Bandit of the Dark Depth podcast, first place, Blue Red Diver. Second place, we have Martin, Doomsday. Yay. Hey, Martin, how do you look at back at this event? I, obviously, right, when you came out of it, were you like mostly bummed that you lost? I guess that's one of the stupidest questions <laughs> I can ask right here. Obviously, you, it was not a great feeling. But like when you look at it now with like a, a day afterwards, how do you feel about nah, this? I feel I feel great. Um, it obviously, sucks to uh, to lose the the finals. I, I even won. I, I I had picked up that my opponent was very likely on Blue Red Delver. So and that's sort of like the the, the bogey matchup for me. And I had I had only faced Dilver once in the Swiss, so I I did kind of feel like I was probably due some some matchup sort of uh, correcting. Yeah, and I, I I took game one, so I was you know then losing the the, the following two ones was kind of rough. But I do feel incredibly happy to uh, to have even top eight. It was it was great. It wasn't that great in terms of the time, as you mentioned. Like I. When I signed up for it, I hadn't planned on playing in, in any of the events, and I was like, "Oh, hang on, you know, seven p.m.—that's pretty great." And then, just I just didn't really think that I would be playing all night, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to go over the the rest of the top eight, or do you want me to go through the? Yeah, actually. Well, why don't we like quickly finish the rest of the top sure. eight and some of the top sixteen um, without going too deep into it, and then we're we're also gonna hear from uh-huh. you, and I think we're gonna close it out from there. Sounds good. So for the rest of the top eight, we already discussed um, the Fokara Yorian deck. Tim Wilder plates. Then in another semifinals, finally, finally, we see Death in Texas, and this, of course, is the Yorian variant running no sagas. That's one of the things that XJ Cloud talked about uh, on his article on MinMax blog. You can either run sagas. Or if you don't, then you can run stuff, you know, like Field of Ruin, which is going to give you access to a little bit more disruption on, on the opponent's mana base. Uh, looks pretty pretty stock otherwise. Uh, quarterfinals. Oh, yeah, finally, finally a chess guide. Like, this is, this is the event where we see all the decks that I thought we would be seeing more of in the other events. Uh, we have a chess guy saga here. And this is, I think, actually one of the greedier chess guy sagas. You're not only playing um, chess guy and the saga, you're also playing the Wastelands. Because that, that was one of the things that people dropped for a while from the deck and now it's back against it's full on greed. And I think that's not a bad thing to do if you if you really want to gun for the very top. You you just like go full on greed and you hope that's gonna work out. And if, and if this... you if you know your mana's bad already, just make it worse. Like, <laughs> I I'm not even saying that as a joke. I, I like it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then uh, we have Gershi playing another. Uh, I think that's Emmanuel Gershenson, uh, like retired pro, still active pro. You don't really know how it works in Magic. <laughs> 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 on yeah. Four Color Yori and Senate. Uh, then we have Herr Gefatta on 8Cast. And we have Buraran on another Blue Red Delva. So otherwise, yeah, this this is what I imagined most of the top 8 to look like. 
if somebody had asked me, uh, maybe I would have put like an elves in there. Uh, I c- certainly didn't see the the four color Yorian Senate deck coming. Yeah, so like I didn't actually count up each one, but just from this discussion going over, it seemed like the the four color Zenith deck and elves and eight cast were like the biggest winners of, well, like most top top eighting decks, right? Uh, I think Blue Red Diver, yeah. Oh, Did yeah. Did mention that? In my, in my head, that one's just like number one already, and I'm just not even thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not after, even counting that, right? After yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interestingly, um, I think Jack's actually... Re- oh, no, no, it was uh, Nathan... What's his last name again? Nathan uh, Lopitz? Lipitz. Lipitz, sorry. Yeah. He ran the numbers, and turns out of all the combo decks in the format, Oops, Our Spells was actually the most successful combo deck. Yeah. And we have that in ninth place. <laughs> win percentage twice so that's that then we have four color loam control oh yeah Bosch and roll these these things are getting out of control seriously like everybody's just like throwing loam and a wasteland together and all of a sudden like everything changes yeah, this, one, this one he said on twitter this one came from uh jeff white pokemoki who and he's got like two with the bloom commands and i do like this card uh, it's just nice to kind of just rebuy wastelands and stuff if you look at Bosch and Roll's sideboard, it's like the exact opposite of Tony Murata's, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it so is. It's like 13 runoffs and two Plague Engineers. Dude, if that card ever comes back into format, seriously, yeah. just like don't let it happen. Like It's it's kind of almost scary how little like black is actually represented. <laughs> in, in all, like, like I guess Doomsday, but I'm not never really like fully counting black as a color in like combo decks because it's it's more like utility and not like fat as in like oh we this is what black stands for unless unless you like like black soul and legacy is acceleration right. that's not really it to me yeah no, i i see what you mean just really discuss martin have you ever lost to witherbloom commander targeting you i have not uh had the, the displeasure yet the pleasure? i'm sure i will <laughs> um cool I, I didn't realize it's a target player mills three cards <laughs> That's cool. Oh, cool, cool. So it's... Ah, lists, man. Then we have I, the company deck. To... Are you looking at that one as well? No, I, I'm still looking at the four-color loam control deck and oh, trying okay. to say anything witty about it, but it's it's really just... I can't call it a good stuff deck because obviously it's not just like throwing a bunch of great cards into a single deck and, and call it a day. Mm-hmm. It's... All, all of these, all of these four or five-color kind of like mid-range to control-ish decks, like they have engines inside them and they do have like game plans worked out but they they kind of come together and all look fairly similar like it, we have seen this like life on the limb start to be picked up in a lot of them depending on like so this one is leading on uh baleful strix and with the bloom command is the black splash which is like quite different to anorag's uh expressive iterations in the main and pyroblast in the cyborg so they all have like ways that they're planning to play other different matchups but at the end of the day they are an Uro plus removal control deck with forces and stuff. They just have different ways of going about like instigating that plan, I think. Yeah. I feel like the more loams we see in the formats, the more we should see some kind of like combo. I don't know. That's where Martin comes in. <laughs> he's, 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 the, he's the good guy here. Awesome. So, yeah. And then in 13th place, we have another interesting deck that's Bar, uh, Buck Collector Company, and that's something else I wouldn't have seen coming. Oh, that's sweet! <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I would have. I would never have guessed a Vagaroth Blood Sky Sire top sixteening. What does weekend. that card even do? It's a. Oh my god! It's a three mana two three death touch, and then it has boast. Boast is when it attacks. I believe you can. Pay, yeah, when you can pay one in the black. 
Target player searches the library for a card, then shuffles the library and puts that card on top of it. Oh, so so you get like a vampiric kind of? Yeah. Well, the the, tr- the trick is you play it with opposition agent. So you. Oh, so so you get to search your opponent's library yeah. for a card. Yeah. <laughs> and where does it actually go? And then you put like a bad card on top of the library. Well, you you get it right. Uh, Wait, but how do you get it? It gets on top of the library. Well, while while an <laughs> opponent searches the library, they exile each card they find. You may oh, play the, oh, those oh. cards for as long as they remain exiled. So I guess okay, that's actually that's actually a card advantage engine then. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cute. <laughs> it's like Legacy Tinker almost. Okay, yeah, I guess that's pretty. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> You've heard it here you first. You heard it here first. Ragnarok yeah. Blood Sky Sire is basically a Tinker. <laughs> I mean, the guy was basically playing Tinker. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why no one else is playing this Tinker card. <laughs> You're laughing now, but you know, t- two months from now, we're going to complain about when Varogoth Blood Sky Sire is actually going to get banned in Legacy because it's getting out of control. I just don't want. <laughs> I don't want anyone playing Opposition Agent, please. Yeah, this is another nice one. So good. Uh, it's a far off, even. Oh my god. Yeah, just company into like two of them and uh, four hull breach of four Opposition Agent. This is the. Grief Dude. Doomsday deck. Yeah. Yeah, also like four ba- four Balefoot Strix, four Ice Fan Coral. This is the Grief Delver d- uh, deck. Yeah, true. <laughs> god. This deck, man. Oh my god. It's cool. Uh, so I much just, value. I feel like this is, it plays very similar to the old like Dark Bant list that I used to like. Whereas in theory, all your cards are good against Delver. And then when they learn to start bolting your Noble Hierarch, you, you lose very fast. <laughs> Yeah. In speaking of not losing very fast, um, uh, before <laughs> we close out the show tonight, Martin, do you want to give us a rundown of um, the matchups you faced, uh, any interesting situations throughout the tournament? Because I know there's one very specific situation that's <laughs> almost made you give up. This is like where the teaser comes in. In a world where everything is lost, you think you can't win the game and you should actually concede the game there's one more thing left to do <laughs> and i think that's gonna come up at, at some point during your rundown so episode where, where did you start off in yeah, the first yeah, round sure so i i had to make a choice uh in terms of the deck let's either play a version of the deck that maybe has a bit better shot against delver than the one i was on or bank on facing like a lot of non-delver and then crush and i went for the latter one and I got really rewarded. I got so lucky with my matchups. So um, I, I did face Delver once in the Swiss, and that was round one. Um, I, I took it to zero. It was very close in both games, but that's how you usually are able to win uh, versus Delver. I won the die roll, so nothing too fancy there. That's 50% of all the wins that Doomsday got against Delver on the entire weekend. <laughs> yeah. It's also 50% of the wins I got against Delver, sadly. <laughs> um, so round two, I faced Lands, and this is where what you were referring to happened. Um, I, I, I won game one, uh, pretty straightforward. Then game two, I end up in like turn three or four where my opponent puts Torpor Orb on the stack, and I am fresh out of Force of Will. And I didn't have... I didn't have any way to remove Torpor Orb in my 75, if it ever resolved. And usually that means that you lose the game, uh, effectively, because you need, you need the, the trigger from, from Thassa, obviously. And I almost conceded, but then I thought, well, I mean, that was all they had. They had like four, like three lands and Mox Diamond, and then, uh, 
the the orb, and I had Doomsday in my hand, and like some cantrips <laughs> and like three lands in play. And people already know where, where this is going, I think. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I thought, all right, well, I mean, okay, we're playing in a you know serious tournament here. I'm, I'm I I don't have to concede. So I I untap, I cantrip a few times, and I uh, and I'm able to cast Doomsday, and I make a pile that has. Double Street Wraith, a Dark Ritual, a Force of Negation, and a Doomsday. And I ended up, like, resolving both Street Wraiths in the course of a couple of turns, and then just, like, beating down from 20. And all the while thinking, just don't draw anything. Don't draw Dark Depths, because they had stage in play. Um, and they just didn't. I ended up, I had to cast the Doomsday, uh, that was the last card in the pile, one more time, because uh, otherwise I would have, yeah, decked. <laughs> um, and I, and I just could not believe it. And it was at that point that I had, I got the feeling that something special might happen today. You know, when that happens in round two, you know, you, you get a, uh, a big confidence boost. So that, that's like the doomsday special is when you get to actually win with street wraith beat down. Uh, it, it, it happens very rarely, but, um, when it does, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a, a, a rite of passage, right? Yeah. If, you, if you really want to be a doomsdayer, you at least got to win both just like straight up beat down once. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. No, that was I a... think this is, even, this is even more special because you had to doomsday for them and then doomsday to not deck. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah I, I heard you like doomsday, so we put doomsday into a doomsday <laughs> so you can doomsday after you doomsday. Yes, exactly. You know what, in terms of like quote-unquote big brain or weird uh, off the wall doomsday piles that putting doomsday in your pile to ensure that if something goes wrong you're able to go again is actually that sometimes comes up and I think it probably could come up more than it does for me because I don't think about it often enough um, but anyways so then I faced um, death and taxes twice and beat them both times uh, pretty handily I faced uh I, I I named Bant Miracles, but it was it was Bosch and Roll. It was that um that bug what kind four of color. Yeah, exactly. Bugs. Yeah, and um and got and beat beat that as well. Faced Death and Taxes for a third time. My opponent Mulligan to three, lost. Then Mulligan to four, and lost. That was insane. On their Mull to four in game two, they actually archive trapped me at post Doomsday. <laughs> Um, now I can see where the molds come from. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I was able to. I had I had a force, so didn't lose to it. But that that was not on my radar at all. Um, and I did think that is Doomsday really that prevalent that that uh, mono white starts playing that because is is it does it do anything against anything else? So somebody went seven and three playing Murfolk, and he actually said on Twitter that he thinks Murfolk is way better than seven and three. Like he's very, very uh, high on his list, cool. and he also played um, two copies of uh, Archive Trap. And I was trying to imagine which other matchups that could ever come up in because as a single turn card just to get Doomsday, you know, you might as well run Extract or something yeah. like that. Like you know the. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Um. But but yeah, that was that was interesting. I then faced the oops all spells player that finished ninth, B Y B C I. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, and that was, I think, like playing a deck like that is all, always a little bit scary. Um, but we we got there two and one. I then faced awesome. Black Red Reanimator in uh, in round eight and. 
I I just got so incredibly lucky in game two. It was so filthy you wouldn't believe it. It was the blind cycle into exactly days because I didn't have a blue card for the for the uh, anime dead. Um, but we are all about the first. All about the first. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had I even cited out a days and. We, we get to this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just, I have to, they, they put anime dead on the stack and they have uh, the bristle brand and I just have to, I, I fetch because I know the top of my deck and I just cycle this one, my card, one card in hand, it's, it's true great. And I, I just hit the days. So, um, that, that was, I, I, I definitely got lucky there. That's the play well, get rewarded. <laughs> you got to make those plays. Yeah, you you, you just you got to try, right? And I, I face uh, death and taxes for the fourth time, and I have to say, like <laughs> I, I am just on a hot run against death and taxes, both in paper and and like it's it's just like really really, it's a really good matchup. Um, and that was nine and zero, so I was just I was in. I just couldn't Amazing. believe it. Yeah, I faced eight cast the um the player that was also in the top eight. Uh, uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. And they pretty much just steamrolled me. They got a chalice turn one in game one. I died having not cast a spell with like seven one drops in my hand and having like discarded a hand size a couple of times. So that was nice. chalice doing doing the, the honest work. We all missed that. <laughs> yeah, we, exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> game two was, I, I brought in pyroblasts because I was sort of like, I had, that was what I used to do against the Karn Echo deck, but that deck had Narset and Hall Breacher, and this deck kind of only has Force of Will that you really realistically care about. So I think that was incorrect of me, and I I ended up like blasting a, a an Emery, but just not really. It, yeah, that's not correct. No, right? it, it isn't, and I so I I lost that and just hoped I wouldn't face them in, in the top eight, and I didn't. I faced two of those four color Zenith Loam decks. And uh-huh. at this point, it's like four or five in the morning, and I was like, I, I was cross-eyed, and I had the most insane. I, I both wins were like two-one, where I, I took game ones fairly, sort of, without problems. But then they took game two, and then game three. I, I, I seem to remember in both of them, but at least in one, it was just like my heart was racing. So it was like I had to beat several endurances and. I'll, I'll have. I'm going to go through my my replays. See if Magic Online is kind to me and lets me do that because it, it was just. It was like okay, we've done all this dance around endurance and stuff. But if you have one more thing in in your three cards in your hand, then I'm I'm out. And then the, I think it, I already know what's good. Okay. Yeah, no, but but it, I and then they didn't. It was just like this long pause before the concession and in both game in, in both semifinals and quarterfinals. I just. Now it, w- it was amazing, and that definitely didn't feel like a very comfortable matchup, but not maybe maybe still f- slightly favored for for Doomsday, to, but I'm not sure. And then yeah, for the finals took game one, got, kept, had to keep sort of medium hands in games two and three, and, and then Delver just runs you over. You, you you basically need to draw like in the top like thirty percent of of what your deck is capable of. To, to really have a chance, I think. Something like that, anyways. So, that's it. Getting game one's the dagger, right? Because then you're like, okay, well, I get, I've got games are on the play. Yeah, yeah, but, exactly, exactly. There was some mulliganing yeah. involved, but I, I, I yeah. really, really don't feel like I have any right to complain because I had no. definitely gotten smiled on several times during the like the 
the tournament. So it is what it is. Yeah. And again, amazing, amazing result. Like, Thanks. I don't know if you feel the same way as what I said earlier. Like for me, top eighting and doing well in a eternal weekend is the part of the big prize as well. Yeah, for sure. No, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Is, is that something you're going to put in your YouTube channel as well? Because you said you, you were going to look into the replays. And by the way, we're also going to link all of your socials in the show notes yeah, here. Thanks. But for for those who actually, who are too lazy, or um, let's not say lazy. I mean, <laughs> I, I usually don't read show notes. <laughs> I make them, but I don't read them for other podcasts. So for those who just like want to know um, what your YouTube is, where, where can people find you on YouTube? What's your name? In there? Um, yeah, it is uh, well, youtube.com and then it is uh, Martin Nielsen. Um, actually, hang on, because I never, I never check this, right? You're doing a me. I never remember which one, <laughs> yeah. Twitch or Twitter or whatever. <laughs> um, I, that's the actual reason why, like the the top tier standard of doing it for content creators is to have the same thing everywhere, so you don't have to remember. Yeah. <laughs> this is so so stupid. I even I even reminded okay. myself I... to to look this up before I came on, but now I closed the browser where it was sitting. <laughs> i'll admit right now i usually open my twitter when we're finishing off um our podcasts to just check that i have the right handle to say <laughs> i never remember yeah yeah while you're looking up there was a couple of questions that came in like last minute and stuff um, i was just gonna mention one of them <laughs> yes <laughs> go ahead go ahead <laughs> is it the kai one yeah, exactly. So while you're looking at Martin, he says, Martin, where can I reach you? I need you to sign my deck, my shoes, and my firstborn child. <laughs> From Kai Sawatari. Well, I, I believe Kai knows where to reach me because he actually stayed with me in <laughs> Copenhagen when he was, came nice. here for a legacy tournament like five years ago. But um, yeah, you know, just send me your stuff and I'll sign it. Maybe not your firstborn, firstborn though. Yeah, send, send the firstborn yeah, in the post. That, yeah, that, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it used to be legal in the US and people sometimes did it. Like not firstborns or, or rather like not babies, but like kids. They they literally <laughs> had to outlaw sending kids by mail because people would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so um, did, do you have your, your thing on YouTube? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can probably find it quicker. Yeah, than you. <laughs> I, I, I think you can. I'm like, uh, I'm a little bit of an old old man when it comes to this. Sort of How hard can it be? I, I'm pretty sure it's just my, my surname. Cause it I, is. I found it. I went into your Twitter and I found it. It's youtube.com slash Martin Nielsen. So, and then underscore Neville Shoot. Neville Shoot. All right. Excellent. Do you say Neville Shoot or Neville Shoot? No, Neville Shoot. I believe Never is the, the 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 correct pronunciation. It's 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 a some uh, author. So yeah, I, I remember you mentioned. Yeah. It. Um. So yeah, finishing strong here, not knowing his own YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I respect it. Yeah, and then I'm also on Twitter, uh, where I'm at Martin F S Nielsen. So Martin and then F S Frank and S S Simon and then Nielsen. Um, awesome. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. I. Awesome. Yep. That's one, like 19 seconds ago, Rapid Cheap sent us a question. If Imperial Seal was legal, would Doomsday play it over Personal Tutor? Without going too deep into it, which is like usually a very tall ask <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. I want I want to say yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that sounds like awesome. The only downside is not p pitching to force. The life loss is negligible, I think. And being able to find like a Dark Ritual, which is usually the other thing you want to find, or a Force of Will is just like yeah, yeah, I would say so. Awesome. 
So with that, I think we're going to call it a day. If you want to support us, you can consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or you can join on our Patreon on patreon.com slash everyday channel. Become part of our community. We have a lot of awesome food. Yeah, this is this is how you get the support, right? <laughs> to tell people about the amazing food you can see in the Everyday Eternal Discord. So if you want to do that. busy place, isn't it? definitely that's greatly appreciated if you want to follow us on social media at eternalmtg on twitter and instagram uh, you can find me on it's julian 23 on (laughs) you can you can find me on at it's julian 23 on twitter and it's julian on youtube and callum people can find you at whitefacesmtg on uh, twitter Twitter and you don't really stream that much. I guess no. if you're moving to a new place, uh, streaming is not something that's happening soon. Well, yeah, I was thinking a new place. I might do it there more. We'll see. Oh, that's yeah. amazing! Actually, if you need any help, let me let me know because yeah. I I, I, w- I would love to see more of your it, stuff. It's also 15 minutes down the road from work, so maybe I'll just steal the really nice microphones. <laughs> that's how you do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so with that, uh, I need all of our patrons to tell Adam to stream, especially our Eternal Witness Patreon here uh, patrons, Tommy Hinks. Testacular, Sebastian Hollager, Guillaume, Jake, and Severin Schwarzuber. And on Grizzlebrand tier especially, Victor Bernatzt, Bajubat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Bill Schlichting, Joel Grenahat, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Have a great time. This is one of our longest episodes in quite a while, I believe. And we are going to see you next month when Callum has moved into Buckingham Palace. Exactly. See you. Bye-bye. Ciao, everyone. Bye. Bye.